Rorschach's journal, October 13th, 1985. On Friday night, a comedian died in New York. Someone threw him out of a window, and when he hit the sidewalk, his head was driven up into his stomach. Nobody cares. Nobody cares but me. Welcome to Fan Freaks Podcast number 99, where we freak out about our favorite movies, comics, games, and any media in between. It is I, Agent the Masterful Dude of Doodliness, the face that runs the place, the host with the most and the most grandose co-host. And it is I, the Bone King, come to save the day, and I'm joined by... <laughs> it is I, James, Dr. Rude Ramos, MD. Hark, hi, freaks. The villain has arrived. What will we do as superheroes that are just and totally pure? Oh, I see what you're doing. See, this is a thing. <laughs> it's a yeah, thing. it's a thing. I tried there, to do There thing. was a bit see, about this. See, but you this. only pretend to be a hero. Uh-huh. I am a villain. No, I look to you and I just say no. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this episode is <laughs> the <laughs> famous what's been building ever since George finally finished the comic. Yes. The Watchmen special. Like a 24-hour edging session, it's a long time coming. Uh, Welcome, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the specials work a little bit differently than our usual episodes. There's no reasons. No reasons, no news today. It's all meat. No bread on this sandwich. Yep. This is all content. This is a T-bone steak with some, uh, maybe some garlic aioli on it. I just want to throw this in here. You realize every time we've done a special, we've talked about a food item? Yes. Like, this is the full meal. No discounts. Understand, George. Wait. <laughs> I, I perceive everything as food items. Eh, that's fair, I just, to be honest. Honestly, I just want to do a special on Kitchen Nightmares featuring Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> and this is like my like my backpedal attempt to do so, it. So, Watchmen special. Yeah, Watchmen. What is Watchmen? Well, it is probably the most pioneering comic book of the 1980s. It won the Hugo Award. It's uh, on the top 10 greatest books of all time. Not just on, comics. No, on the New York Times uh, 100 books you must read before you die, Watchmen is on that list. It is the only comic book on that list. And honestly, yeah, it's well-deserved. If I may give my own little like advertising blurb, if you are really interested in this like new trend, and I don't know, maybe it, it won't be new for much longer, but who knows, but this new trend of kind of portraying superheroes in a dark way and trying to make a commentary, if you're interested in that kind of concept or genre, you have to read this because this kind of started the whole thing. Yeah, so abs- Well, no, absolutely it did. And, yeah, I think yeah. it came out, what, 83, 84? I want to if I remember correctly, but I can't. Uh, don't uh, but it's a we could look at the book in front of us, but we're just far too lazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's a twelve issue miniseries, uh-huh. uh, featuring completely different characters, but they all have their own analogs. Worth noting, yeah. it was published by DC Comics under their Vertigo brand. R.I.P. Vertigo. Uh huh. Um, because they've since fully uh, incorporated their Vertigo characters into the main DC continuity. Thank you for telling me that, because I have something to bring up about the publisher of okay. this. Yes, so thank you for telling me. Vertigo, nice, yes. We'll talk about that. For sure. Uh, there's also uh, one gentle little nod to a specific event of one DC character's life that I really love that we'll get into. Mm. Um, but yeah, so this was written by Alan Moore, art by uh, D- uh, Dave Gibbons. Gibbons. Um, both masters of their craft at the time, however our personal feelings might be about our socialist wizard douchebag 
<laughs> yeah, fucking Alan Moore's just a cunt. I feel like whoever, like, okay, and just some framework for me, I'm kind of like an outsider going yes. in for this. You really get the idea that whoever wrote this is very opinionated. Oh, yeah. Like, you know oh, what I mean? It, yeah. it kind of bleeds through the text <laughs> uh-huh. in that, so it's interesting. But also, he just hates everything based on his work. Like, everything. He's, he, so he's, like, self-deprecated. Uh, deco- no, deprecated? he likes it. He, he, does, he likes his version of the work. Uh-huh. He doesn't want anyone to make a movie or, or yeah. anything, a show, based on it. He fucking hates V for Vendetta, the Watchmen yeah. movie, the show, well, anything. You read it, and you get the idea he does not want to glorify anything. And I think the idea sure. of making a movie, I think clashes with that he's still just kind of a douche well i'm just saying that's why i feel like he's opinionated just reading it but nonetheless the man has brought us some amazing stories this is this show this special is primarily on the book yes yes if you want us to do the movie let us know We'll probably be referencing the movie and the show and maybe even some other DC Comics events that that involve the Watchmen characters. Right. But today's episode is on the the source material. It is about the comic book. Right, because I'm definitely going to reference the movie just because that was my initial reaction. But I want to talk more about the novel itself. So for sure, for sure. Honestly, Uh, also to piggyback off George's uh, insert of if you want to get into this trend. Oh, you want to piggyback on my insert? Okay. I would argue if you ever want to read a graphic novel, if you ever want to read a comic, you'd be hard pressed to not read this one. Sure. Like I, if you mm, un, if you I have prep, like mm. a, a a regular understanding of who Superman is, Batman, right. Spider Man, all these characters, you've re- you've seen the movies, but you haven't read a comic. This is to show you how good and influential comic books can be. My one critique about that, though. I know we're saying everyone should read it, but we also have to take into account that there are some people when they expect to read a superhero story, they're not going to expect something so taxing. If you are prepared for something like that, then yes, this is totally a read for you. I'm just saying you have to be in the tone. I mean, to be to fair though, this. the book puts you right there in like the first three pages. But you also have to be a really like you have to be reading books too, because some of this is like novelization almost oh, yeah. halfway through. So. Speaking of, how do those first pages start, James? <laughs> With a murder most foul. <laughs> this um, isn't an escape room. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't that like a Haunted Mansion reference? No, or that's actually from Corpse uh, Bride? The Corpse Bride. I fucking that's knew it. it. Fucking A. Okay, sorry. It's, I when, got... it's when the, the skeleton host dude is I... talking about uh, Emily. See, it, it just imprinted. It imprinted <laughs> on my mind, so that's uh, how I know. Anyway, uh, by the way, for the record, if any of you haven't read the book, seen the movie, oh yeah, spoilers about giant spoilers. We will be going into the heavy, heavy, heavy plot of this book in great detail. Mm. So uh, buckle up. So the book starts off with a murder scene. Yeah, of a it, character we don't know yet, but right. we just see the most famous uh, logo. I guess DC has aside from the S and the bat. Yep, most famous logo of the seventies too. Smiley well, face. Oh well, sure. Yeah, yeah. And to show, Which I think is no coincidence. No, 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 by no, the way. no, yeah. no. And to show how dark the world is, there's blood on it. Right. Well, it's a stain on what would be a perfect image. Yeah. Well, right. it's also aside from that. Yes, it is supposed to. It is supposed to. <laughs> no, I'm laughing because do you understand how much symbology I know, is in this already. fucking thing? symbolism? <laughs> actually, devolving. So turns out that like Willem, Def- like I forget the Willem Dafoe's character in Boondock Saints was actually being a pretentious douche for no reason. Symbology is a perfectly acceptable word. Is it? Not? I don't like it. I've been saying it for years. So <laughs> it's it's not the the more proper word is symbolism. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and there's a famous line from Boondock Saints. Whatever. We're going on a tangent here. The point is... There's a lot of it in this. Uh, there is... Yes, there is... A, so, the, the, the thing we're talking about is... The smiley face. One of the characters has a smiley face pin. And the icon of this book is that pin with a drop of blood on it. Mm-hmm. Which not only uh, symbolizes the corruption of innocence and happiness, and but it is also a direct comparison to a doomsday clock. That as well. That's what it is. The, the 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 drop of blood is supposed to be the arm on the doomsday clock, which as, is a, a recurring theme. As well as the representative of the time period, which all the chaos kind of really started. Right. This is the 80s. The book is set in the yes. 80s. Three meanings. Uh-huh. Uh, one fucking logo. So uh, what we see is a detective investigating a scene right. of a man who has been killed. Right. He's investigating the apartment. It looks like some s- small time ro- robbery. Yeah. Uh, burglary. Excuse burglary me. gone wrong. And, and they keep saying... Yeah, but it looks like something more. And then you come to find out, like, you zoom out almost. Onto the roof. Well, onto the the street. Onto the street, and you see what will become one of the principal characters, which is Rorschach. Rorschach. Ah, okay. This is is our first introduction to the team of superheroes that occupy the majority of the story. Right. The first one we meet is Rorschach. A relatively short-statured man in a trench coat, uh, fedora. Practically uh, homeless. Well, yes. And an an inkblot test mask that shifts positions, hence his name, Rorschach. Right, and if I may really quick, since we're introducing characters, and and Watchmen is is so specific that characters are um, analogies to other characters... Would it be interesting to sort of, as we go through the characters, think of who their analogies are? Well, so are? here's the thing, is that the problem is, is that, like, three of these characters are Batman. Oh, all right, well, that's fine, we'll Or just the mysterious detective right. archetype, uh, loner, yeah. whatever. because I definitely got Rorschach being the Batman archetype, but except but, he kills. <laughs> well, but you could also make the argument that Night Owl is also obviously oh, a God. Batman villain. That's true. And then Adrian Vite is also clearly a Bruce Wayne Sure, I'm just but saying again, like, we we'll should probably there. mention that. Yes, no. no, but yes, uh, Rorschach is one of the many Batman analogs uh, in the in the book. Yes, uh, he pretty much encompasses your edgy kind brooding of brooding on the the city roof. He's not yeah. only Batman; he's also Daredevil. He's, he's Punisher. Also pun- he's a little Moon Punisher. Knight. Yeah, I think he's a lot Punisher. Yeah, for sure, Punisher for there too. Uh, but he, but he encompasses this. Oh, the shortness Wolverine. His own sense of morality. Right. The, sh- the shortness Wolverine. Yeah. He is. He is what you would. The ginger of carnage. He is, he's what he would consider himself to be chaotic good. Right. We'll talk about that later. But the point is, uh, after the police have left the scene, he goes to investigate the, the, the scene himself. Right. Mm. And promptly uh, learns two things. One, that this wasn't just a simple robbery because, A, the victim was a large man. And this man was thrown around like a rag doll, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. implying that whoever did it obviously had great strength. Right. He then also learns that this man is, in fact, his uh, ex-compatriot. Yeah. I I mean, they were technically on the Watchmen together. Right, but the watchman the watchman was short lived and yeah. lived one meeting. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, another, Edward Blake, a, another character named Edward Blake, who we know is the comedian. Right, mm. another piece of shit archetype, which probably is more Punisher than anything else. He's a little Punisher. I think he's also supposed to just be like a spit in the face 
of patriotic characters like Captain America. Yeah, and Nick that's, Fury. And, and Nick Fury. I was and all about that. to say that's the analogy I saw the most of. Because even like though he doesn't really Captain exemplify America. them in any way, I, this is more like Alan Moore saying, "No, that character isn't like." No one would be Captain America hmm. if you were a veteran and you had superpowers, or you were a superhero. You'd be you'd be. Because I think of the patriot kind of design and that, like making a superhero out yeah. of patriotism. That's the Captain America yeah, analog sure. there. You ready for a terrible uh, take that is kind of gross to me? Okay. I've been doing the show with you for a year, so yeah. Look, all right, the comic not so much, but the movie version of the comedian. He's a handsome fella. And oh, well, that's Jeffrey so, Dean Morgan, of but course. But it's so horrible because he's a horrible person. Yeah, that's, so it's that's, like, that, uh, that's Papa Winchester. You fucking grizzled badass. Thomas How Wayne. dare you be attractive? Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Negan. Negan, yeah. Negan. He's Negan? Yeah. No shit. Mm-hmm. You're okay. really out of it, aren't you? No, I didn't know he played those those other roles because yeah. he's so much bigger as the comedian. Oh, no, he got huge for the he's comedian. He's like, yeah. and I noticed for sure on that yeah, yeah, one, yeah. so I'm just saying. Anyway, um, the comedian is an old war veteran. By the, by the point in the books, he's he's not elderly, but he's older. Yeah. He's supposed he, to be, what, in his 50s, right? In his uh, mid to late 50s. Yeah. He's borderline retired at yeah, this point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and... The Rorschach, taking on the detective role of Batman, assembles a, fl- a few clues mm-hmm. from uh, from this scene. Right. Is this when he has the I'll whisper no monologue? That's later, yeah. right? No, it is here. It is here where he looks down and whisper no. Yeah. One of many monologues you will be reading from Rorschach. Oh, my God. Well, I mean... T- to be fair, they're, most of them are inner monologues. Because they're journal No, but entries. what I mean to say yeah. is you get a lot of his inner thought process well, yeah, in this it's book. exactly what Adrian says, because throughout the book, they're presented as journal entries. Yeah, oh, that's true, because that's the framework. But yeah. there's so much more to the framework yes. even beyond his journal entries. So, yeah. But still, so we... No, you were going to say No, something? no, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. No. So Rorschach kind of figures this out and sees that it's Edward Blake. Yep. He's thinking now it's not that. It's a mass killer. Yeah. Somebody's trying to kill us mass. Because even though him and Comedian don't really work together, if at all throughout their history, in the book that we see, you do get this idea that Rorschach sees himself with other masked vigilantes. Yeah, he, he, exactly. Well, he so, identifies as a masked, like, I don't want to say hero, but oh. vigilante. Well, wait yeah. a minute. And I think this is a good time to bring this up. It's worth noting that by the time the events of the book comes along, mass vigilantism is illegal. Yeah. That's part of the reason that the comedian uh, is technically in retirement, even though he was a legal vigilante because he worked for the U.S. government. Right. He was an agent for some department. But, but yeah, in its history of Watchmen, you do see, and we will get there, because the next character on our list is Hollis Mason and Dan Dryberg. Yes. The first two, first Night, night Owl night and the second. Night Owl 1 and 2, yeah. Where, why is there a Night Owl 1? Because back in the 30s, this one guy started a fad, so to speak. He saw injustice in the world, and he thought, hey, let me take justice into my own hands. Let me stop these criminals, because there's only so much cops can do. Right. And that's where we have Night Owl 1, Hollis Mason, yep. who also gives us the in-book in book uh, thing of Under the Hood, where right. he explains how the Minutemen form. Yeah. See, in this book, guys I, and I, girls... Really quick, just to interrupt you, because this is the little another little nod to Batman, because the reason Batman doesn't exist in the Watchmen universe, it's heavily implied that Hollis Mason rescues uh, John... Uh, uh, Thomas, Thomas and Martha, Thomas Wayne. And Martha Wayne. 
Huh. When they're leaving, if you look at the I remember newspaper that. articles yeah. they show, you can see him stopping a rich couple from being murdered mm-hmm. as one of the first crimes that he stopped. It's heavily implied that that's and the in the way. background, I mean, I'm sure it's a little nod. And no, necessarily no. Like, and in the background, you see a cover of a Batman comic. Then it's a double nod. Like yeah. I, I no, it's just to it's, emphasize that one nod. I yeah. know, but I'm just saying it's highly. I highly doubt it's actually Bruce Wayne or something. It's just it like, eh, but yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um, so we do meet these two gentlemen. They're drinking a beer. They're just talking shit. You know, old. Uh, retired heroes. Retired capes. Yeah, they're just sharing stories that you would think two firefighters would share, two cops would share. This is Dan and Hollis? This is Dan and Hollis at Hollis's uh, home slash garage where he fixed old cars. Right. But Dan says, oh, it's almost midnight. I got to go. So he goes and he goes home. And who does he find? Rorschach eating a can of beans that are uncooked. Yeah, fresh out of the can. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Thanks for the beans. Uh Right. And here we see where Rorschach's telling him, uh, tonight, Edward Blake was murdered. Somebody's out for us, Mass, possibly. Must investigate further. Must investigate further is like uh, Rorschach's catchphrase. Yeah. It's a way to end a sentence. Right. Um, And Dan, what is Dan? He is... Dan Dryberg is Night Owl 2. He has somewhat of a pot belly. He's let himself go. He's the the dad bod of the, the comic. So, uh, uh, so Night Owl 2 is a really interesting character because he is both Batman and Superman. Also, I mean, you could argue he's Blue Beetle as well. A little bit, yeah. And but that was the, the... Yeah, go ahead. Because he, he, he's Batman in that A, his whole costume and the owl cave and all that, whatever he calls it, are all clearly inspired by Batman. The vehicles and all that, the theming, everything Almost being specifically super Adam West Batman, yeah. too, yeah. Uh, but he's also Superman because I would argue that Dan is almost Clark Kentish. Very. In his, like... And his way of trying to get with a girl, he's yeah. very... Uh, That's kind of where I was going to go with that, too. And not necessarily in powers, you're right, with Superman, but he's kind of one of the only through lines of someone... Who you'd believe to be virtuous. like virtue exactly thank yeah. you. Kind of virtuous. He's one of the only hopeful through lines of someone who you'd think of being a good vanishing yeah, vigilante yeah, yeah. would be. And you can he, see what the story does with that. He definitely tries to be do he tries to be and do good. But he also just exemplifies frustration. He's yes. not at all content with anything that's going on until way well, later. That, in that's the fucking the main book. theme of his character. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So Rorschach and Dan have a talk in the Owl Cave, which is Underneath owl Under- cave. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a yeah, fucking cave. So bad, a, it's not even a cave though. It's just a, a big garage. Yeah, which yeah. which has tracks leading out to a, a warehouse or some to. shit. And you know they're talking and Rorschach's like, you know, uh, you gotta you gotta be careful out there, Dan. I I'm gonna go talk to Manhattan and and uh, Lori. And Dan's like, you know, you you just got to be careful out there, Rorschach. Why didn't you ever quit type of thing? Why didn't you ever retire? And, you know, oh, the, the stereotypical. And then you have Dan say, go. yeah, but back in those days, those were good times that we had. Whatever happened to them? And you had Rorschach just say simply, you quit mm-hmm. and just walk off because he's a fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah uh, throughout this book. You know, Look, when you're when you're he, like 14 years old, Rorschach is like awesome. Like, oh my god, he's this guy's he's so fucking cool. So and edgy. then when you're like 30, you're like, oh my god, this dude's a fucking dweeb. 
Oh, oh, shit. This asshole. guy sucks. Yeah. You kind of excuse a lot of the other horrible parts of his character just because he left the scene of like very efficiently. Look, right. at, least, really at least he actually walked away instead of throwing down a smoke bomb and disappearing. Right. <laughs> Which I would have argued would have been more fun, but I mean, that's but just me. I think it's ruder. <laughs> really, Dr. Rudy, do? Uh-huh. Oh, I, do. I see. Um, I'm the authority. So at this point, uh, no, actually, I think... Dan, no, uh, Rorschach then goes to Vite first. Uh, instead of first, he goes to the bar. Oh, yeah, because he wants somebody out there knows. Uh huh. Somebody. So he starts just breaking fingers of some random people. Somebody's got to know the murder of Edward fucking Blake. Well, because suppose like this is supposedly like a a seedy bar. It's like a bar for like criminals, basically. Yeah. So he's hoping that he can put the pressure on people there and get some intel. Right. Because and he doesn't. He learns fucking nothing. But if James, I mean, would you argue that, would you, no, not argue. Would you agree to the point that Rorschach is nothing more than a bull in a china shop? See, I, no, I don't think that analogy fits because a bull in a china shop has no aim. A bull in a china shop is not. Yeah, well, yeah, to complete the metaphor, though, he would be the bull if he knew something was in that china shop. He would break everything to get to it, but he has to have that, you know, central oh, like, goal here. Oh, okay, yeah, I could argue. That's a good point. But if but if I may, about Rorschach, I thought of something interesting with his character, because he, uh, there's a lot of analogies to Batman, of course, and one of these I think is very interesting, because his method of getting information is similar to Batman's, except Batman has the narrative like benefit of the first or second person he talks to knows right. the information, but Rorschach does it multiple times right. and sometimes doesn't even get it. It shows like the exhausting effort of doing it because like in a comic book, oh yeah, they get it with the first two guys, but it's like, no, I am actively torturing several people until I get something. Like, it, it tips that. Like, justified inve- uh, interrogating right. into, like, it being a monstrous interrogation yeah. because of the how much he does it. Absolutely. It's very clever. So, at this point, I believe, after he leaves the bar, very unsatisfied. Yes. I think he learns fucking th- nothing. Uh, does he go... I, fr- I forget the order. Straight does he, to Adrian. He goes straight to Adrian, the world's smartest man. Like, possibly that's, homosexual. That's, possibly homosexual. <laughs> must, inve- must investigate so, further. So, here's one of those moments where we can talk about the movie and how it greatly differentiated its characterization of Rorschach. Why? To sell Rorschach merchandise. Of course. Um, because the movie made Rorschach much more palatable. Yeah. Because the book has no issues illustrating that Rorschach is a misogynist, a homophobe, and just racist. a sadistic, uh, and a racist, and a sadistic bastard. Yeah, like you're not person. supposed to think he is a good also, guy. The only, the only uh, literature he reads is a far right wing, far right wing newspaper, which uh, will be relevant to the story later on. Also, I, I'd also like to point out in the theatrical cut, he doesn't say possibly homosexual. Yeah. He says it in the director's in cut. In the director's cut, yep. That's Which enough. is something I think Zach did a good job on. Like, And Warner was like, no, take that out. We want to sell the t-shirt. But, but right. it blurries the point. Remember how I said Owl is one of the more like virtuous yes. options? He's one of the only through lines? Yes. With Rorschach being another kind of thing where maybe yes. he's good completely ruins that yes. because it removes that distinction. Yes. Yeah, and I'm just... Same for the audience, but yeah. Marketing it's, ruins things again. It's not a good decision, but yes, no. He then goes to meet Adrian Veidt. Right, the world's smartest man at the top of his skyscraper, which is like, it's very Wayne, it's Luthor, 
It's um yeah, it's, I got it's Luthor, the traditional. Yeah, it's, he's also definitely supposed to be Batman esque though. Okay, that's true. He, or more Bruce Wayne esque than anything else. It's it's a very traditional eighties billionaire idea yes. yeah. of what yeah. we thought billionaires were eighties, nineties. Um and also and, the whole concept of Adrian possibly being homosexual is definitely Alan Moore calling attention to the relationship between like Bruce and Robin. Oh, and, are, the, and the criticism of that. Yeah, being I took that because he this character has an obsession with Alexander the Great, well, and no, there this was kid, this giant thing that Alexander might have been yes, gay. Yes, but so. I'm just saying Alan Moore's like whole concept of making him that way was that it was a reflection of. That and we thing. do have evidence of it more in the movie than in the comic because in the movie, in the opening credits, he's at Studio 51, right, with the YMCA crew. Right, and, I mean the Village People, not the YMCA, <laughs> uh, and also he has a folder in his computer called boys yeah so uh so yeah he, he's uh he's also aside from all these other things he's probably the only truly public hero of the watchman yeah he's because de-masked. he retired publicly yeah he demasked he said i was ozzy mendeus uh and i am adrian Veidt, but i'm giving up this life because you could argue that even though everyone knows who dr manhattan is no actually no, yes. I'm saying everyone knows who that Dr. Right, Manhattan right. is. His secret identity doesn't matter anymore because that person doesn't exist anymore. Right. It's dead. Yeah, they're dead right. yeah, from that. And then that was the only – those are the only two public figures in terms of – because everyone else had a secret identity. Okay. So we're introduced to Adrian Veidt who goes by Ozymandias, Egypt and Egypt and Greek-obsessed. Psychophant. And he has an obsession about self-discovery and self-perfectionism. He's always trying to find a way to become the ultimate ideal yes. hero or perfect person in that. And I found it, This there was this uh, reoccurring theme in the book whenever they show him in his office, ton of action figures. And I find that symbolically interesting because it's a representation of him trying to perfect himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, You yeah. know what I mean? It's It's... Actual you know, that's a good things. point because I thought it was just him like having marketing over because in the comic he does talk about selling action figures. Oh, for sure. That's But since it. you're talking about it metaphorically, exactly. where it's all him building himself yeah, continuously. Exactly. And, and no doubt that he keeps changing it or something because he has this obsession about perfecting of himself so again like as i was reading this book of course there's a bunch of like literal stuff around why that action figure is there but i thought the symbolic nature and then the decision to add that there was very interesting and that was one of the first things i noticed about his character yeah because he's always talking about it correct but but yeah they have a talk he presents the theory the masked killer theory right uh and most people seem to kind of hand wave rorschach right everyone see like especially the watchmen themselves they seem to be actively aware that he's just like a crazy person. Not only that, comedian isn't exactly altruistic, yeah. to say the least. He has plenty of enemies. Exactly. And he's been publicly outed through Hollis Mason's book. Yes. That we come later to find out he did attempt rape on another uh, Minuteman. Yeah. Which is uh, Sally we'll shoots uh, Again, sick bastard. Yes. He's yes. overall, undeniably, a piece of shit. Yes. So Rorschach leaves because I like Adrian Ro- doesn't know anything. Right. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, uh, nudge. Yeah. Uh, Rorschach is, by the way, in case you haven't noticed, our vehicle to introducing all the characters. Oh, because yeah. Because no, sure. from uh, Adrian Veidt's place, he then goes and meets the most powerful man in the world. I'm going to tell the indestructible man yes. that someone plans to murder him. Right. 
Which is a great line, and it we, shows you the psychosis of this guy. Yes. Like, correct. Just 100%. the paranoia alone. And to also talk to uh, Dr. Manhattan's girlfriend, quote unquote. Well, uh, exactly. Lori. We're introduced to two other members of the Watchmen. We are introduced to Lori, mm-hmm. who, much like Dan, is actually the second incarnation of her moniker. She goes by Silk Spectre, mm-hmm. but there was a Silk Spectre before her. Right. However, unlike Dan, where his uh, the previous Night Owl was just uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a a mentor, right? In Silk Spectre's case, it's her mother was the first Silk Spectre, right? And she was grown up in that, yeah, like l- like her mother trained her for that. You could say groomed into being that the is, next yeah. Silk Spectre. No, I think that's exactly yeah. the kind of um, uh, message they were trying to yeah. put in there. She was definitely groomed into being the next Silk Spectre, and we're also introduced to Doctor Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Yes. The only, uh, despite the fact that this is a book about superheroes, he is the only character th- in the in this universe that has superpowers. That mm-hmm. actually is superpowers. Yes. Yeah. The I mean, Superman could, exists, say, and he is American. Some yes. characters have been biologically enhanced to have something that could but resemble even then, that. He's peak human. But even then, like anything sure, like that. Sure, but we'll yeah. get there. But beyond he, but he is superhuman. He is glowing blue. He is a god <laughs> with a big blue cock. So he's the like, nude one. Like how, everyone yes, talks about. Kind of like how he said that Dan uh, was the Clark Kent uh, uh, part of Superman. Doctor Manhattan is supposed to be the super part of Superman. Right, with no Clark at all, and he acts like Martian Manhunter. No, because Martian Manhunter cares about people. Martian Manhunter has more emotion than yeah, Dr. Yeah. Manhattan. Okay. I was just saying in terms of just being Don't like, fuck with my John Jones. On that note. All right. I love him. He's the, nice. The, I'm point, the, the point of Dr. Manhattan is to illustrate, no, if someone did have that much power, mm-hmm. they'd be so separated from humanity that they wouldn't be human anymore. But that's the thing, though. And I want to bring this up. And this is kind of an interesting. Here we go. I'm just I'm just interested by this concept. Yes. Because if the idea is to make a criticism about Superman, who has a set amount of powers and does have a weakness, Uh you know what I mean? You're making. I get it. This is probably intentional, no doubt, with all the other intentional fucking like thoughtful reincorporation in this fucking thing. But like, um, he is almost op in terms of any criticism and i think that's the yes, point but that is the point it's supposed okay. to be an even more exaggerated version of superman it's supposed to be because then it stops even being a, a commentary on superman and more of a commentary on a godlike figure, sure i'd you argue know? it's not just superman it's no. literally every omnipotent character it's the concept Spectre, of super yeah, yeah. beyonder All so on just the concept of super brought yes. to its own like manifested as a character Agreed, it's only logical think, conclusion yeah uh. i agree 100 percent but, like, there's clear verbal parallels that they make to the indestructible man being, like, that's clearly, like, a nod to, like, but the gets, Man of Steel. But he gets powers like fucking Spider-Man. No, I would argue he gets powers like the Hulk. Oh, yeah. Well, because Gamma Radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because. But an accident was the main point I was trying to get across. The intrinsic field generator. No, his name. Dr. John Osterman. Thank you. John Osterman. Uh Uh, John Osterman was a scientist, a physicist, a... uh, He had a PhD in atomic physics. Atomic physics, Smart guy. Uh, And he basically gets locked in an experiment that scatters his atoms. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's like what? Like it's a week, right? It's uh, it's about two weeks. Two weeks before... No, you're right. A week. I think it is a week. 
and he's able to reassemble himself. A week before someone gets the sickest skeleton surprise that they've yeah. ever fucking expected. Just out of nowhere, a skeleton just manifests Actually, into existence. wait a existence. second. I don't think it is a week. Give me one well, second. A, a certain amount of time no, Jesus allegory. I, I think it's three days. Because there's a, I yeah. think it's a Jesus allegory. I definitely took it as the Jesus allegory it was because he returns, he rises from the grave. Although I think they do say something. Oh, no, no, no. It's a month. Oh, that's a month. All right. I, I got the idea. We were all wrong. No, well, yep. no, because we're still right about it being somewhat of a Jesus no, allegory. No, it is definitely meant to be a resurrection allegory. Yeah, because again, it, it ties in with the Superman right. thing. So. Also, just just a little thing. Do- just to say now, Dr. Manhattan is my favorite character. Okay. Um, One of the things he says in the movie, I prefer than in the comic. Interesting. In the comic, it's... uh. I feel afraid or something like that, or I don't, I don't feel anything anymore. Uh-huh. But in the movie, his last words as John Osterman before he turns into Dr. Manhattan is, I feel fear for the last time. Oh, yeah. And I think that just really hammers home the point that this is it. He's ascended, quote unquote, or whatever. Well, we need to talk about, before we continue with the story, we also need to talk about a key fact here. And it's that Dr. Manhattan is the main reason that this universe is different than ours or the DC timeline. The main reason being, Dr. Manhattan actively participated in Vietnam. Yep. Right. Gave us a clear victory in Vietnam. I just find it interesting you connect like you connect to them. I've considered this universe as its own beast, not even related to Marvel no, or said DC it's in separate. any way. No, I, I'm saying it, yeah, but one of the things that separates... I'm saying, like, in comic books, uh-huh. oftentimes its history is at least close to real-world history. Right, it's an alternate history-like right. story. But it's at least close. I'm saying that the main difference between real-world history and the history in this book is that we won in Vietnam. Oh, okay, I misunderstood. And I, the reason right. we won in Vietnam is because of Dr. Manhattan. Right. And because Dr. Manhattan won in Vietnam, uh, Nixon gets uh, gets reelected. Mm-hmm. And the whole, uh, yeah, well, we'll get there. And the whole Watergate scandal never happens. It's heavily implied that uh, the comedian. It, no, it, it yeah, flat out says The it. comedian kills what the fuck their names are. Uh, 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 so, that's right. Uh, they're dead. Whoever uh, they are. But the point is, uh, Dr. Manhattan was the reason we won that war. Right. Empowering uh, Nixon to not only get reelected, but to also overturn the presidential term limit. Oh God! And he serves four terms of pre- in, as as as, a, as president. That shit scares the fuck. Which, out by the of way, me. really quick, just talking about the show because in the book they talk about Robert Redford's candidacy, uh-huh. uh huh, which is supposed to be a uh, a punch at Woodward Rob- and Bernstein. Thank he you. Kills Woodward and Bernstein. Of course. Uh, but uh, so in the book they talk about Robert Redford's upcoming candidacy for presidency, okay, which is supposed to be a stab at uh, Richard at uh, Ronald Reagan. Okay, it's an actor becoming a president. Um, oh, I remember reading that. Yes, actually, yes, Sorry, yes. I didn't remember uh, that Which name. is one of the things I loved in the show because in the show they actually got Robert Redford to play himself as the president. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it was pretty great. I didn't realize that. That's yeah. fun. Um, but let's talk about. Dr. Manhattan's powers. Everything. We're done talking about it. No, uh, but specifically he <laughs> has... Teleportation. Tele- well, the, 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 the main power is control of things at the atomic level. So it's everything. Basically. 
that, that's but, my whole thing. Well, no, because he discovers powers as he goes along too, which I find interesting. I know, but my whole but my point uh, is yeah, for those everything. that are interested, Teleport, teleportation. No, he, but for those that are interested, eventually in DC canon. He does get more in oh. Doomsday Clock. How yeah. do you get more than everything? Well, again, it's like he discovers new things he can do with yeah, his powers. Yeah, he's constantly Even learning. in this book, he discovers something new he can do with his powers. I guess so, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, he has control of things at the atomic level, which allows him to teleport. It allows him to disintegrate anything he wants. Right, and disassemble, manipulate anything. He can grow in size. He can shrink in size. Hey, he can duplicate himself. Right. Uh also, there and, isn't a real limit to how many duplicates he can have. Not that we know. At of. one point in the film, they show five. Yeah. In the comic, they show like three or four. It's so and interesting. Go ahead. Probably most important to the to him as a person and a character, um, he experiences as he's a assumed to be immortal. Right. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a natural death. He's. You've been thirty forever, and right. I'm still getting old. And he experiences the entirety of his life lifespan. Yeah. At once. Mm-hmm. He he does not exist in any one moment in time. Temporal changes exactly. has happened at this molecular, like atomic level yes. with him. So this will be a natural segue to my point that I'd sure. like to mention about him. A little factoid about Doctor Manhattan is that he is dating. I think at that point, yeah. Silk Spectre. Well, so so he so Rorschach gets to Doctor Manhattan's compound. Yeah, the the army base. Yeah, the where he's putting army something base. fucking together. Right. And uh and Janie, J- J- Janie, Lori, Lori. Sorry, Jesus Christ. Lori is there, who is Silk Spectre too. Yes, and they're dating, and yes. the whole thing that kind of bought. And since we already did spoiler talk, I can sort of talk about later on in the story. Like, I get it. it like, it's tough dating Doctor Manhattan. I could totally understand that. But as like on your own level, I kind of believe she's a little bit naive to think that dating the omnipresent man like is going to be an easy ride, or like that what? she can expect to hang on to what him. Or precedence could she possibly have for this? Why? But that's the whole thing. Is this that is she's her get- first boyfriend since... No, yeah, it's her first boyfriend. Sure, her first boyfriend, but I'm yeah. just saying at some point she starts hiding a relationship from him and it's like, what are you even hiding he knows? She never did. I, she doesn't, though. Then why even stay with him? Why even even go to him? It, and even on his end, why would he accept to be in a relationship with her if he knows that they're not going to stay together? Okay. We, we, so I think we, I think you're combining the movie and the comic and the times. Is Because... Right after uh, she gets with Dan, she hasn't right. been cheating on him yet. By the no, way, no, I was fast forwarding. No, she that never that did. They broke later. up. Technically, that's well. He kind of just leaves. No, no, no. Before that, leaves. she says, "I'm leaving you." Oh, that's true. And she just leaves. And yeah. then she, when she comes back to get her stuff, yeah. uh-huh. the military says he's on Mars, and it's your fucking fault. We right. take away your expense account. And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. So then she goes to Dan. Dan, I don't know where the fuck to live. You're my only friend. And Dan's like, stay yeah. at my place. Okay. We're jumping let, ahead. Let me, let, my initial point is but she is just, dating an yeah. omnipresent man yes. and expecting him to change. Because the entire story, he's she's like, you're not doing this. You're not paying attention to this. This uh-huh. is, you're not on that level with me. You're you're he is not he's growing, but he's right. he's himself. Right. He's not going to change his mind. He is he's experiencing his entire timeline. Uh-huh. At once. Right. So, like, I just see a futility in her trying to keep changing a man who is omnipresent she and will not change. She can't understand but, that point, though. Yeah. That is why I'm saying she's naive. But oh, I no, think that's true for anybody, though. But, okay, if you're with a relationship with someone, you don't know about their future, and you don't know about 
who okay dating someone who's omnipresent uh, versus dating someone who you don't know who their future is or what's going to happen is a different thing for me i feel okay because like he will always be the same person if you are not satisfied in dating that person there's no changing him he's experiencing all of his timelines at once okay but <sighs> I, this is hardly a fucking major point as well i just think spilk specter is a, like what well, was I, she expecting is what i'm saying that's just it i think she expected to be treated like a human and the thing is at the end of the day she is She's the only one that he treats with any kind of real warmth and humanity at the end of the day. Sure, but when it's you not... left me, I left Earth. Exactly. Sure, but it's yeah, he he takes not pity, but he does like sort of pity, but like sort no, of like he explains. Pity, no, he genuinely to her. loves her. Yeah. Sure, in yes. In his capacity, yes. Right. But, but let that's me my ex- whole thing. But, but, like, but George, let me just bonking, let me just explain right, one right, thing. Right. When they got together, he was 30 something still, but he's who he is right and she was 16 this was her first time ever meeting a somebody like that and b she never had anybody before that. right okay okay she so, still has agency in herself right hold, hold on hold Go on ahead. i'm waiting so when they got together it uh-huh. became uh kind of publicized that she was his uh, girlfriend. Okay. And she wasn't really allowed to go out because she was kept in the military base because the military just wanted to keep him happy. Okay. Uh, the, so mo- the, kinda, the, the movie kind of says it best where uh, Lori says, I was just to get him laid every once in a while. Okay, so this puts a whole other spin on it that she wanted to leave but could not. No, she she I never think... really had a reason to leave yeah. until she found, again, Dan and saw Dan after being with, with John for so many years and was like, this is... I'm I'm bored being treated like an afterthought yeah. because but that's what, the what, thing. what 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 is the 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 climactic point of their relationship is that he's working on a science project while he's duplicated two of him to fuck her yeah and she's like wait you're doing science you're fucking working on a project right now while I, you're in the next room and you can't even have the decency to fuck me. No, right. Like, what am I? I understand that. And then that. she kind of sacks up and fucking says, I'm leaving you. Yeah. I'm done but with it would this. hardly be the first time for her to really get that upset. Like, there's, But there was a lot of reasons of that, she, but, that he prioritizes work over her. But that's her. just it, George. It's straws on the camel's back. No, eventually I, the camel's back breaks. I get that. But the thing is, when with straws and camels, uh-huh. like that whole thing is like, it keeps happening because you may anticipate that there will be a difference. Okay. When you're dating someone who is omnipresent and will not change, you will know for sure straws will be but falling on the camel it. back. He does change, though. He progressively gets more distant. Yes. So it's for the worse. Yes. yes. Okay, she should have left sooner. Yes. That's all I'm saying. Okay. No, but we're all in agreement. Then I don't even... know why this is a point. Like... But, but that's just, I feel like you're, you're, you're taking, you're, you're discrediting her here. Okay. As it just being naive, whereas it's, Everyone would be naive dating an, an omnipotent being. Okay, hold on. Okay. Nobody could possibly know what they're getting into dating a, a For Dr. For sure, Manhattan. but from the amount of time they had dated, I'm just saying if she was so unhappy, she had every reason to leave beforehand. We don't if we know all that. agree and on yet, that, abuse that's fine. victims seem to stay with their abusers. He abused her? 
It's emotional abuse. It's, it's he emotional was just neglectful. Abuse. I mean, granted, oh, just neglectful. Yeah. But it wasn't like he didn't let her eat or something. It was like he just wasn't responsive. So therefore, she I should have that. sought a f- emotion somewhere else. Okay, but the, she I'm does. The same, but the same argument could be made about victims of abuse. Okay, but I don't think it's the same when because he wasn't abusing her. In my, I guess, no, in my opinion, I don't your, know. Your whole thing is that he was doing something wrong. She should have left sooner. No. You said that. You did no, say that I just didn't, now. I did not say... No, you said she should have no, left sooner. I didn't say Dr. Manhattan did anything wrong, first off. Okay. What I said was that her, knowing the relationship she was getting into, or at least she tried it out, and I get it. You guys, you don't know what you're getting into uh-huh. in a relationship. But over a period of time, uh-huh. it seems like she stayed a lot longer than she probably should have. Okay. And that was my only point. I said nothing wrong I with disagree. Dr. Manhattan. We spent too much time on this. Just saying. So... Uh, again, Rorschach tells Rorschach them. presents this uh, theory to them. Right. And Lori, Lori, Lori. Lori. Yeah, Lori, you're right. Doesn't like Rorschach. At all. She actively he says smells. it in the Rightfully book. so. Yeah. Like, he the- smells, he's sick in the head, and I hate that monotone voice that he speaks in. He oh. defends a rape. Yeah, well, we'll get there. It's, it's literally um, like in the same conversation. So, uh, Dr. Manhattan, in no sh- this is one of my favorite scenes in the book. Because no one shoves Rorschach up like Dr. Manhattan does. Right. Because Dr. Manhattan goes, you've upset Lori. I think you should leave. Right. And then he- I spent a lot of time getting in here. I'm You're going to listen to what say I have to piece. say. Blink. Yeah. yeah. And literally pops him outside only for Rorschach to look at himself and walk off going, huh. <laughs> what the fuck did you expect, Rorschach? Uh-huh. Like, you know. <laughs> like when Dr. Manhattan asks you to leave, you fucking leave. It's just something about having such an OP character. It's like all reactions, you know? Like, what did you expect, Rorschach? Just fucking, yeah. So here, by the way, is where we start getting the whole thing between Lori and Dan. Yeah, because Lori wants to leave. We, we skipped over the defended rape thing. I want to mention that for a second. Is it's that in, in this scene? It's in that yeah, scene. Yeah, he talks about how Edward oh, Blake right. no, because, is, a, is a good soldier or right. whatever, a good right. person. I, I only want to bring lapse. that up. Moral lapse, that's what he says. Because I only want to bring it up because it says a lot about Rorschach as a character. Yeah. Where it, it's the one of the true moments you see of Rorschach because he's very um he loves to glorify he loves to fucking like romanticize what what's up well no I, I want to be clear he technically doesn't defend rape he he calls it a moral lapse and this part what he's saying is that it didn't happen right because he doesn't believe Hollis so this whole thing is ah uh, so you take his whole thing is. Ah, so you believe the words of the of Hollis's book? Well, that's him sandbagging on top of defending because at some point, at that's some later. point, in at- this part, he's literally just saying that didn't happen. Okay. Well, again, though, my initial point with Rorschach. And believe the victim. He's- really quick. I'm not here to speculate on the moral lapses of men who died in their country's service. I came to warn. But that's the thing. Right. He admits that it happened, but it's a moral I, I'm not lapse. Here to speculate on the oh, moral lapses a- of men. What a, he's a no, piece of shit. He's, okay, regardless, my whole point is that he's all he, the entire book. He's romanticizing the idea of justice, law, order, and yes. what is what is just. What is justice? Correct. But when you see that line, you get a real identifying feature of him that it's only just to his frame set. Right. Okay. What is it? No, I was just saying earlier. I said he was cha- in his mind. He's chaotic good, but he's not. He's lawful good in his mind. In his mind, but yes. it's his laws. But that's the thing. Which he will excuse neutral good, maybe. Go ahead. He will excuse certain crimes if it's if it doesn't work with his image of what's going on. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this guy was a patriot and it fit my narrative, so I'm not going to let you disassemble that with this true fact that he raped someone. But that's just it. He doesn't, He he's saying that that's speculation. No, but it did happen. We know it happened. We know that it happened. But yes. that's my point is that he is dissuading that even right. though it's the truth and he should be on top of that because right. he's about the truth and Correct. justice. But that's the whole thing, though. And I think it's really clever how they do that yes. because it frames the idea that, well, justice is a thing, but it depends on who you ask. Mind exactly. you, this is just the first issue. Yeah. yeah Look how much plot there is, you know? I'm sorry, Aces. That was a very well done scene in Agreed. that character. But this is where we start getting the whole thing between her and Dan because... She's clearly trying to get some kind of emotional uh, connection from uh, John Manhattan, John. Yeah. And is not getting it. So instead, in an attempt to make him jealous. Yeah. She says, oh, I think I'm going to go to dinner with Dan if that's all right. And like without even looking at her, Dr. Manhattan's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But do you, but this, I think now it's starting to come in. It's shit like this that made me go, Lori, you're making him feel jealous. Like she's human. But he's not. So? He, she knows he's not. But, but that's what you're not getting, George, is that he does love her. And he has shown her emotion. Okay, I get that. I she didn't just say, wants like, that back. I get it. But she should know he's not capable of doing Why? that. Because for how long they've been trying to do this. I don't but, agree. But that's the whole point. Continue. So, anyway. uh, I guess we finally get to... So, uh, we've met our main cast of characters now. That's everyone. Well, there's we... somebody else Rorschach meets. Edward Jacoby. Mullen. Oh, right. Well, yeah, he's not a main cast of the characters, but yes. Right. Uh, so, yeah, because from here, Rorschach just kind of fucks off somewhere. And we are now with Dan and Lori having dinner. Right. Uh, and it's just them mostly just chatting and catching up. Nothing really spicy or saucy really happens. Right, but they have a great dialogue, and the last words are, what do you expect? The comedian is dead. Yeah, it's a great line. Uh, then you have the whole under-the-hood excerpts, which are usually three to five pages long. Yep. For the record, just like, like Adrian said, under-the-hood are excerpts from Dan Hollis's book, which is like an expose. Hollis Mason's book. Hollis Mason. <laughs> Hollis Mason's book, which are like an expose of if his I life. If I may, I'm so sorry, because that last line you just said, what yep. was it? The, uh, the last you, Well, what do you expect the comedian the last... said? Okay, and now went along with, I'm going to go tell the invincible man that someone's trying to kill him. Something no, like that. Dan says, what do you expect the comedian's No, dead? I'm just talking about lines, like oh. one-liners that the writer mm -hmm. puts in. You get the idea that modern-day like DC movies are trying to capture that level of oh, like, weight. For sure. This is what they're trying to sure. get, but I've noticed that what they say is not romanticizing something. They are plainly stating a fact that just because of circumstance, it's ironic. But it has so much to, weight to, to it. To explain this line, by the way, they're talking about a villain named Captain Carnage uh -huh. who is berating Dan at some point. And then, punish me, punish me. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> Laurie asks, whatever happened to him? Uh, he pulled a gun on Rorschach and Rorschach pushed him down an elevator shaft and they both start to laugh. Right. They start to lose their fucking mind. But my point is, is that the one-liners are just like matter of fact, as yes. opposed to tell everyone the bat is dead. It's yeah, like yeah. Uh, you're just trying hard. You see Agreed. that? That's the difference here. So then we, after we have some Hollis Mason kind of like backstory yep. lore, we go back into I guess issue two, and this is where we get more. I I want to argue the the funeral. Yes. We kind of go into the funeral of oh, the comedian. Oh, no. 
This is going to start the whole Dr. Manhattan talk again with this funeral scene, but go ahead. Right. And the funeral scene only has, quote unquote, three people that attend, which are Dan, uh, Adrian, and John. Yes. Moloch shows up later, and then uh, so does Rorschach way later, because he doesn't want anybody to know who he is. But what's interesting about this is that- Actually, sorry, there is someone else at the funeral. Who? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you just say Rorschach is there? Yeah. Okay, because I was reading something. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Lori doesn't go to the funeral. She, at that point, decides, oh, just drop me off in California. Mm-hmm. So John just takes her to California to chill with her mom. Correct. And the mom's like, yeah, I heard, you know, Eddie's dead. And she starts romanticizing the past and type of things, which she has a great line. Uh, when you get older... The past, even the grimy parts of it, start to shine, yeah. so to speak. That is, again, it's a that is, is a, good a really line. good line. But it's again, it's a matter of fact. It's not romanticizing as it's just obvious. It's like you know, yeah, Sorry, again, yeah. to to what you said earlier, it's not try hard. It's not trying so hard. Um, restating, yeah. But what's great about the three men that are there, Adrian, John, and Dan, they each have a flashback to when they had a conversation with the comedian. Well, the first flashback we actually get is from uh, Oh so Sally one. It's Sally. It's which it's is Sa- the rape. Sally and Lori talking in the are they're in the retirement home, and then she has the flashback to when she's undressing back at Watchmen HQ, and the comedian. Well, Minutemen HQ. This is back, yeah, yeah, you're right. Minutemen HQ. I'm sorry, you're right. And let's let's be honest here. This is a hard scene to see. Um, Remember when you guys were like, everyone should read this book. And I'm like, there's some scenes that people are going to be trigger warning that, sure. like, for sure. This is, yes, I would like to argue this isn't for everyone, but this is for almost anyone who wants to read a good adult subject matter. If, if that makes sense. Dark, if you like a good dark story, then yes, because that's the difference here. Right, but so, Sally talks about that. We're led into an attempt, not only an attempted rape, it's rape and battery. It's yeah, because he beats because the shit dark, out of her. Yes. He forces himself on her, she retaliates, and then he proceeds to beat the fuck out of her. Right. It's pretty great. Only to be interrupted by another member of the Minutemen, Hooded Justice. Which is a fucking goat. OG goat. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, we'll oh. talk more about the Hood of Justice later because his uh, details of his life are relevant to the story. But um, but yeah, and that's that's the almost the beginning of Sally and Eddie's relationship is rape. Yeah. Huh. Uh-huh. Born on desecration, it's the worst. Yeah. But then we go into I think it's Dr. Manhattan where he thinks where he flashes back to Vietnam. Aussie. Oh, it's Ozzy? It's Ozzy flashing back to the formation of the Watchmen. Watchmen or the Crime Busters. The Crime Busters, yeah. Exactly. Which uh, Captain Metropolis tries to get everybody involved in. Yes, exactly. Captain Metropolis clearly being another Superman analog and Captain America. Yeah, it's just, but he's just so bland and generic. Yeah. It's not... He's the khaki... I think it's on purpose, though, because if he gave him too much character, it would have distracted. He's not important. What is important is comedian shooting down the idea, 
saying none of this is going to matter. We're yeah. all going to die from the nukes in about 10 years anyway. And Ozymandias here is going to be nothing more than uh, the smartest man on the cinder. Yeah. Thanks for coming, comedian. Like, this is a meeting where we're trying but to figure at shit that out. Meeting, like, at that meeting is where John and Lori meet. Yes. That is true. And they fall in love. And at the time, uh, John's girlfriend, uh, Janie Slater, is very jealous and says, yes. get me the fuck out of here, you two-timing tramp to yes. John. Hmm. Exactly. Uh, uh, then is when we get um, the Vietnam flashback. The Vietnam flashback from the uh, from Doctor Manhattan, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Manhattan, where he sees uh, VVN night, yes. where Vietnam finally, uh, I guess, surrenders. Right. And Nixon flies in, and comedians like, "I'm out of here." And then you see an obviously pregnant woman, an obviously pregnant Vietnamese woman, come to Eddie. And says, Eddie, war is over now. You got to take care of this. We need to talk. We need to talk. And he's like, no, we don't need to do shit. I'm fucking leaving your shitty country. And she's like, you can't leave this. You, ca I can't leave what's growing in my belly. Oh, yeah. well, I'm going to forget about you. And then we have something else the comedian does, which is shitty as fuck. Well, first, she fucking gashes his fucking face. Well deserved. Agreed. No, no doubt. I mean, it, it's the least that she could have done. But as we learn. You fuck up his face, he fucks you up back because he retaliates hard. That is he, the most aggressive rated R birth control I've ever seen. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so he shoots It's also interesting character note about Dr. Manhattan is that he's wearing a modesty clothes in, in back in the 80s. Right. Or back in Vietnam, rather. Because they asked He him, wears yeah. this weird, like, M-shape, which I, I would argue is probably a Wonder Man thing. Yeah! It's a little Wonder Man-y. Yeah, it is. Anyway... Uh, he's wearing this because throughout the rest of the comic and what we consider the present time, he's mostly depicted as just being nude. Right. Because the idea of social norms don't matter to him anymore, with a few exceptions. One being the funeral, where he's in a suit. Right. Uh, and also on the talk show, where he's also in a suit. But anyway, Dr. Man, uh, the comedian then proceeds to shoot the mother of his unborn the child. pregnant mother. Right, but as that's happening, Dr. Man is like, no, comedian, don't. Well, that's I, it. I read back in this scene because you guys were saying that like he is aware of everything, but yes. he can only see himself do it. Right. And it is correct that when he says, no, don't do it, it's in periods. There's no exclamation point. He's, no, right. don't do it. Blake, question mark, Blake, don't do it. Yeah, it, it, he's... I guess not surprised, but here's my thing. Immediately afterward, he's there's, there's a, a shot of him looking intrigued at what just happened. Yes. How can you be intrigued at what just happened if you already knew? But that's just it. <sighs> this this is gonna be my major problem. I know, is but just the problem that character. you're not getting is that him knowing doesn't change anything. What do you, huh? It's, it's him. He knows it's gonna happen. But he still is experiencing it for the first time. It's knowledge and experience. Exactly. He has to experience it. And when he does experience it at that point in time, it's completely how fresh. How can you experience your future timeline? Uh -huh. No, but, but see, that's the problem. Okay. He's not experiencing his future. He's experienced it all at once. My, my point still stands if you let me finish. Okay. If he's experiencing his future timeline... Mm -hmm. If he's experiencing his whole existence, but my point is that he can experience the future, how can he not be able to reflect upon things until he experiences them? So this is the the fallacy of you trying to interpret his actions. 
is that you you keep using the word future because All you right. and I experience time linearly. Uh huh. Dr. Manhattan does not. Allow me to rescind my sentence. Okay. If he's able to experience his entire timeline uh-huh. at once, yes. how come he's only able to reflect upon things until he's experienced it? Because he did. But That's he's living he all of, he's living past and future present yes. all at once. Uh-huh. I don't see that both happening at the same time. Either he knows or he has to eventually find out in which he will reflect upon it. No. This character is so nebulous to me. I'm yes, trying to figure exactly. it out. Exactly. That's but that's the problem is that you're trying to figure it out and the idea is that you can't figure it out. But he also does things in the story like I'm going to communicate with you 5 minutes from now yes. as well as I realized at that moment that this. But you can't realize something if you are omnipresent. That's that's my whole but, shtick. Li- see, here's listen to that sentence that you just said. You can't realize something if you are omnipresent. You can't logic something that is omnipresent either, George. But I'm th- I'm thinking about it from the point of view of him though. But that's but the, you can't. He reacts to something because he reacts to it. But it's, he knows what he's reacting to. But nonetheless, I'm, he still reacts to it. It's it's how can you make a reaction can to something I, can you I know? Can I take a stab here? <laughs> Go can ahead. I just take a stab here? Go ahead. George. <laughs> yes. You're putting a triangle in a circle. It isn't that hard. You have to understand what he is. What all of him is. Okay. Is a puppet that sees the strings. Sure. We're all puppets in his analogy. We all are. He just sees how he's being manipulated, but he has to go by it because if he doesn't, the time doesn't work. The if, timeline doesn't work. Everything has to work in a certain aspect. If it's that's, destiny. If that's the case and you are set to a script, yes. then you cannot make statements such as, oh, hold on, Lori, I'm talking to you five minutes from he now. Can, though, because, because that's it's in improv. The <sighs> All right. <laughs> this is so. That's the this point. This is hardly at, like the major point of his character no, or anything. But, this is but a it just kind of irks to... me that they keep doing things See, like, but... "Oh, I'm allowed to influence the, fu- the the timeline, future and past, but I'm also not allowed to act upon it because I'm bound to it." So it's like it's a clash for but that. The point for me. is that his, for example, his referencing the future is part of the timeline that he must adhere to. But this defeats the purpose. I would like to say what you are describing and what you don't like about this character Uh is what I love about Uh this character. Agreed. Look, this is something that makes me infinitely interested in this character. Because how does he experience things? How would I do if I was in that situation? Sure. And this is why he's so dejected from humanity. Because they don't. He can't symbol symbol. Sympathize yeah, with sympathize. them. He can't experience what of they're course. experiencing, and that's why because he's, he's also experiencing it because he's still relatively human, but not completely. He's right, lost that, right? And I understand. And this takes nothing away from his character, and this is why he's still such an effective character. Aside from everything that I'm saying, it's just when he does little things that, like, I feel like again, like the five. I'm talking to you in five minutes. It's not really anything like major with the plot, but it's just an example of his power is. that makes me go, yeah. ah, like that's weird. Can you do that? And I. I guess the idea is is that he doesn't even know what he can do and it could just descend from there. So whatever, I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, so 
back to the story. We yeah. now get the third uh, which is Dan. flashback, which is Dan a during the keen, to a riot. The Keen Act riots, which the Keen Act makes vigilantism illegal, illegal. again. Hmm. Because during the whole Minutemen from the 30s to the 70s, 77, uh, until 77, oh, you could be masked up, you could go out and fight crime, or you could go out yep. and do crime or whatever. It's just an added charge, I BK guess. do crime. Forgive me. Uh, we're drinking still. So, wow, revealed it. Man, I'm two fucking cups in, and I didn't say shit, but go ahead. Anyway, um, so you have... No, it was to excuse the burp. Ah. So you have this uh, this issue with the Keen Act, where you have so many people rioting, weirdly enough, on behalf of the cops. Because in, in, in right. during the riot, it's, oh, my, my son's a cop, you... I'm not going to say the word, but, you know, and she throws shit at Comedian. Comedian and Dan are trying to hold down a part of New York. Rorschach is by is himself taking, fuck- into, taking out an entire Upper East Side. What is the name of fucking Owlman's ship again? Oh, Sex oh, Ship. What? No. Sex Ship. No, shut up. That's where the sex is. Shut up. No. <laughs> you could just say Bro, this is going to bother me. I have to look that one up. It's, the point is... No doubt it's called The Owl or something. Like, no, seriously, it's not. guys? It has it's a not. name. I'm it has sure. a name. But it's, it's the bat plane. It's, it's the yeah. owl version of the bat plane. It's a thematic that plane. That Dan is piloting, Night Owl. Is it a blip? He's Archimedes. Archie. Archimedes. There oh, we go. Yeah, it's, of course it's Archimedes. I forgot it was the ad. So we see Dan, Owl Man, piloting Archimedes, uh, attempting to, to disperse the protesting crowd uh, with... Uh, a very masked comedian. You could argue gimp mask. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on the outside of the of the ship, and when the when the riot decides to not disperse, and instead throw things. Yes, a comedian takes an offense to that, and he took it personally. Uh huh. He, he took it personally, and proceeds to brutalize the fucking crowd. Yeah, yeah, with uh, rubber bullets, uh, tear gas. Do you see a theme? He's got with an M seventy nine and a pump action. He's yeah. like going to town on this crowd, which is mostly middle aged people and young kids and like middle aged moms and shit in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Like he's literally personifying excessive force. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. In this scene, yes. Now is when we get the Moloch scene. There's just one thing I wanted to bring up on that. Yes. I, this is my favorite line in the entire book. Oh, wow. Okay. And honestly, in all of Watchmen. And Here Comedian says it to Dan. What happened? What happened to this? What happened to the American dream? You it quit. came true. You're looking at it. Yep. That's mm. such a it fucking is. great line. It's so good. Like, that shit oozes greatness. Anyway, we do finally get Moloch. Yes. So but now is... we get the scene where Rorschach uh, now brutalizes an elderly man who was a retired villain. Right. Known as Moloch. Hey, he was a villain, okay? Uh-huh. He had it coming that hard, apparently. Uh, what was Moloch's whole thing? He was, like, vampiric? Moloch the mystic. He yeah. was a magician. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but he does have vampiric ears. Yeah. Very Nosferatu looking. But yeah, he, uh, he, yeah, he, uh, he enters this man's home. And basically threatens to kill him in Be- exchange for information. He because left his Edward untouched. Jacoby was at the funeral. Right. Oh, and and Rorschach sees that. Yes. But he doesn't Edward Jacoby doesn't associate with the other three guys. He just right. drops off some roses and leaves. And Rorschach follows him home, brutalizes him. Why were you at Edward Blake's funeral? Well, because 
it looked like he needed a friend. He was here the other night, whatever. And it turns out this is where comedian kind of breaks down. And we finally get an understanding why he was murdered. Yes. Yeah. Um, We also find, really, arguably, we also find out that comedian's smarter than I was giving him credit for up until this point. Yeah. Because he's just depicted as just like a dumb brute. brute. But clearly, he figured some shit out, man. He's, kind of by accident, but still. Right, but he's 100%. Like, yeah. what he is is nihilistic as fuck. Yes. He's the very epitome of nihilism. Correct. Hmm. So Nothing matters, let's make fun of it. Which is very Joker-ish, now that you think Which about. is why I think it's really interesting he's called the comedian, because what's another name for the comedian? Or sure. Joker. The Joker. Yeah. But I find it interesting that he inverses it in a way that Joker becomes a hero in this story who is disgraced. It's not that he starts out as a villain, it's that he was a hero who's exemplifying the more sadistic qualities that a villain would have and in a hero role. There's a lot of shit in this book. Sorry. It's a great fucking book, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot. Now you see why I wanted you to read it so much. It, it's it, As a critique of superheroes, it's possibly the best one I've ever seen. And there's a lot of critiques on superheroes in terms of like stories um, that do that. Also, this is another just great line from Moloch when they're discussing his medication. Just because it's such a like poignant way of like expressing your own mortality, because uh, they at one point they're discussing medication that Moloch is taking that's supposedly illegal. He's like, it's not drugs. It's like, yeah, but it's made from apricot pits and it's not legal for three years or whatever. And then he asks him, what, you know, why are you taking these pills? He goes, I have cancer. And Rorschach asks him, what kind of cancer? And he says, you know, the kind of cancer that you eventually get better from. Well, that ain't the kind I got. Yeah. It's such a like poignant moment of mortality. Yeah, it's, I I like yeah. it. I, it's very it's just teetering. like what I'm dying. It brings it down, grounded yep. like it grounds to a real world aspect where, yeah, this this is something you don't see yep. in a DC Marvel book where For this sure. shit does happen. Again, this is a comic that came out in eighty four, eighty five. This is a comic that was really ahead of its time. We're now getting comics where they do talk about some character having cancer, somebody having this, somebody right. having that. It was just like 10 years ago where they, they showed off Riddler having cancer, and that was a whole arc. But see, it's Watchmen ground shit, and that's what's great about it. Agreed. So, so after Moloch, what happens then? Well, we have... Because it's a, ta- it's a tale about superheroes with real-world consequences. Yeah. Which I think is the most interesting thematic statement in this whole thing. But continue. Yeah, sorry. But I love stories it's, like it's, that. But this is the whole point of the story. I as love it. As much shit as like James and I give BVS, there's one scene I love of BVS, which is them arguing the philosophical ramifications of Superman. Oh, yeah. Which is a bunch uh, of news. Not the best way to have done that in that movie. But yeah, yeah, here, 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 go ahead. I love that scene because okay. I'm like, yes, that's something we need to talk about. What if Superman exists? What do we do? Can he save everyone? Does he only save Americans? Should he only save Americans? If he does save only Americans, is he really a hero? What if he sees something in France that doesn't do anything about it? Is he committing a, an immoral act but rightly good for America? If America was they, at they, war they for watch France? the boys. That it answers yes, all. I do watch <laughs> the boys, but Superman's my favorite character. For so sure. For me, it added to that. Of course. So sorry, I no, went okay, off on a, a tangent point. there. We now get the scene okay. where uh, Rorschach, now as Rorschach, visits Edward Blake's grave, 
which we have the and, great Pagliacci and he joke. Ha- well, first he has the whole reflection of, is this like our fate? Mm-hmm. Are we fated to live a life dedicated to justice? We don't die in beds. Yeah, we don't die in beds. Which we're, is an interesting... We're only villains leave roses at our graves. Interesting mirror to Dr. Manhattan's whole thing, yes. which removes the idea of anything besides fate. Correct. So, again, a lot of clever and a purposeful reincorporation. Yes, you have the introduction, and as part of uh, Rorschach's inner monologue, you have him draw the example to a classic joke. The Pagliacci mm, Which joke. is the Pagliacci joke. Do you want to take a stab at it? I've man, been doing all the Rorschach. Uh, I feel I, I'm bad. I'm not doing the voice. Oh. Uh, man goes to the doctor and says, Doctor, I'm horribly depressed. Uh, doctor takes one look at the man and goes, I know just the thing. I'm going to write you a prescription to go see a show. You're going to go see the great clown Pagliacci. He's at the, lo- he's at the local theater. The man starts crying. The doctor looks at him and goes, What's wrong? And he says, Doctor, I am Pagliacci. Roll on snare drum. Roll on snare drum. Audience laughs. Curtains. Yeah. Fucking... It's possibly Rorschach's best line or best, you know. Yeah. No, no, no. It's his best line. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, just, aside from must investigate it, further. It's worth noting that while he's having the, the telling of that joke, he is also having a visualization of the assault of Edward Blake. Where like, he does die. Yeah, yeah. Like where, like, he's having the, he's imagining how he thinks the crime went I down. think I think right now it's a good point before we go any further the illustration and the art in this book I really oh, want to hear haven't even touched on that yeah. I, I really want to hear from you because you're a visual artist uh-huh. your dad fucking worked for Marvel you guys you know you know good art Dave so, Gibbons is like uh, I Dave Gibbons is the iconic art style of this era. And it's of the 80s? And I miss it so much. You know what fucking kills me? And we're going to talk about another book real quick. I hate the reprint of The Killing Joke. Why the reprint? What happened to the reprint? In the reprint of The Killing Joke, they killed all the colors. Oh, no. so it's all muted. It's, it's all realistic. Because Dave Gibbons and this 80s era did- of, of comic book art was wild. This shit was out there. Okay? There's a lot of neons. There's a when lot of like. When did it come out? The, the, the re edition. The, the Killing Joke? The, uh, the, probably the hardcover. The one you don't like. When did that come out? 2000s. That makes sense. Because yeah. around that time, they were starting to grayify everything for realism, quote yeah. unquote, and it was not. Yeah. Agreed. But Video yeah, games this, this book has a lot of fuchsias. <laughs> the, the psychedelics, man. The psychedelic colors were out there. And I know it's not realistic, but it's so striking to look at. And Dave Gibbons is a master at it. He really, like, despite the fact that I've never seen a solid red skyline in my life, you don't question it for a fucking second because it makes you feel exactly what he wants you to feel. Mm -hmm. You can feel this crimson, just darkness of this scene. Not only that, I'd also like to point out, I, I don't know who the inker is. I imagine it's him too, but there's some great fucking shading. Yes. There's some great shadows. Yeah, like, this is, if you were to become an artist, a lot of this work, a lot of Dave Gibbons' work does go hand in here. Um, Something, if I can mention, because I went into this as someone who doesn't read comics. Yeah, actually, I I really do want to hear how you feel about the art. I would also like to mention, like, beyond just like, oh yeah, proportions of characters and character designs are great. Beyond that, think about the framing of a lot of the scenes in this book. 
They're it's all, almost like a movie. They're all cinematic. Yeah. They're all shots that you would do if you had a camera in the room. They're never like, oh, this is an impossible angle that you wouldn't get. They specifically make it cinematic. And I don't know if that was on purpose because the guy, I don't know if the guy had any experience with cinema, but it's there. And I oh, can imagine when they made a movie sure. out of it, it was super easy. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, Oh, uh, he helped on the movie. Yeah. Because like, then he has to have some sort of prior knowledge about cinema because some of these shots are, like, I mean, perfect for that. I mean, to be fair, though, there is, it's like, like, a, a parallel between, like, comic book art and storyboarding, though. Actually, yeah. But, but no, even, but even in comic yeah. uh, in, in comic book scripts, it's written like a film script. Yeah, sure. It's written like a TV script, like, where there's interior, this is what's going on, and the artist has to interpret what this script does. I guess what I mean to say is that they are detailed enough to where it is a frame in a film and not just, oh, this is a punch yeah. and then that's it, which works in comics because you can, you know, work that into something else. But all of these things are framed yeah. as if it was a film. It's very interesting. So, by the way, just because I, I want to give credit where credit's due, Brian Bolland, uh, Brian Bolland is the artist for The Killing Joke. Another master of that style at the time. Which yeah, is the OG Killing Joke is really good. I never got to read or see the reprint, but I, but it's now just, that you just told cool. me that, I don't want to. Yeah, nah. I wouldn't. Because I really like how he did Red Hood. I love that really crimson red. Uh-huh. Well, just get a PDF of it and then increase the saturation. You're good. <laughs> so, no, but it's not just saturation. It's, oh, they actually change the it. colors actively change. No, it is actually dude. a piece of shit. Don't even bother. <laughs> no, it, like, uh, that's just it. Like, if this were the first version of it I saw, uh-huh. I'd be fine with it. Right. But it's not. Then, and it's yeah. not as cool. Gotcha. So, so where are we now in the story? So Molly We now get the next chapter of Under the Red Hood. Okay. Of under the red. Under the. I was about to say what. <laughs> of, under the hood. Of under the hood, uh, and then we now get the beginning of chapter three, oh chapter four. Sorry, which is where we're now introduced to another storytelling element that Tales Moore uses. Tales of the Black Freighter. Because we've already, yes. we've got the main story. We've got the under the hood uh, excerpts from uh, from the book, and now we get a child sitting at a newsstand, reading. A comic book publication, which what I really like is that this shows two things. Is that A, in a world where heroes are real, superhero comics are not the best sellers. It's It's pirates. pirates. It's pirates. Yeah. Which was what it was back in the day. Pirates. Yeah, back in the day. Pirates used to outsell superheroes. Uh huh. Pirates, uh, like Western Western comics. Yeah, pulp comics. Those used to outsell superheroes. So it's interesting that in a world where heroes exist, those comics are still the the main go-to. Right. Right. So they're an in-universe comic book franchise called Black Freighters. Or at least that's the publisher. Tales from the Black Freighter. Right. And I wanted to bring this up because I felt as though it's interesting. Not only do they give you excerpts from the comic, Uh they give you reviews of it. Yes. Which I found to be infinitely fascinating because... I'm going to quote something. I have a thing that I... Oh, look at him. I I know. Prepared. I remember this line because it was really interesting. This is someone who is reviewing the Black Freighter comics in the universe, right? Okay. So here we go. Readers who came to see the series expecting a good rousing tale of swashbuckling were either repulsed or fascinated by what were often perverse and blackly lingering comments upon the human condition. So what that says to me is that 
Black Freighters is an in-universe representation of the company you brought up earlier. And that's why I said thank you for bringing that up. What was the name? Vertigo? Vertigo. Oh. Because people who came to buy this book expecting a rousing tale of superheroes were only met with the grim, dark reality of humanity. Mm-hmm. And that turns off people. But if you read it, it's still a successful book yeah. in the in the universe so he predicted that people wouldn't under like would be shocked well, at by that it. point the first three issues we're in issue four. Oh, the first so three right. issues the first three issues were bang fucking busters i forgot he actually had prior knowledge of how successful it was as he's yeah. writing it so he wrote into the story a representation of his comic Correct. In it, yeah, which dude. I thought was extremely interesting. Like, that shit went to 10th prints, bro. Like, uh, yeah. 10, 11. So, with all this, this in mind, all this meta-knowledge in mind, I have one thing to ask you. So, the immediate line afterward is, so, again, it's, uh, people who were expecting a good rousing tale of swashbuckling were either repulsed or fascinated by what were often perverse and blackly lingering comments on the human condition. Tales such as the figurehead, which deal with unflinching male homosexuality... Now, I don't know what he's trying to say about that, but this isn't the first time homosexuality is mentioned in this book. Well, here's the funny thing about that. That review that you're reading yes. is from the publication that Rorschach reads, which is a far right-leaning... Oh, because I was wondering why they're framing so, it as a negative. Let's talk about that. Alan Moore is a socialist. Uh-huh. Uh, very left-leaning. Yeah. Pretty much as far as you could get. Especially That's why we call 80s. him Tommy Wizard. To, to yes. remind for the audience who Alan, Alan Moore is, the, the writer. The writer. Okay. Uh, so, by the time that we're introduced to the Black Freighter, there were already right-wing reactions to his book, to The Watchmen. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Right-wing read comics at that uh, point? Yeah, dude. Well, no, they. I don't know. They didn't read comics. Just like they didn't play Mortal Fucking Combat. They didn't stop them from. Oh, but they had an opinion on it. They had an opinion on it. Right. I see Um, what you mean. No, just really quick. We used to have a really strict guideline for comics, just like film and everything else. The Comics Code Authority. Back in like seventy something, it started dying off, and they got rid of it because they started introducing more adult themes, and those started selling more. Eventually, it backed off. They still well, were judging comics. What mm. happened was that the comic book industry decided to self-regulate instead. Yeah. As opposed to being externally regulated, which allowed them a little more freedom while still appeasing people. Um, I just had an amazing thought, and I'm so sorry to interrupt you, and it's a one-sentence on. thing. The dude, I have to say, as we're talking about it, Watchmen is like, to comic books, what Twin Peaks is to TV shows. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I'd, in I'd terms argue, of making, I'd, amalgamating it into a story and making a comment, this is it. I'm sorry. That just reframed it. your harder die. Exactly. I'm tired so, of this world's problems. Sorry, uh, let's talk about what the purpose, by the way, of the Black Freighter comics is, is that they are a foreshadowing device. Well, they're also a meta look at yes, the, the narrative correct. as a whole. Yes. But yeah, they, they, they suffer. They, not suffer. They are a behind the curtain uh, look into the storytelling. Into, into story, yeah, into the storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really cool. It's really cool to have like these parallel stories. Because when they show a frame and then it's someone protesting rape and they say yes. this unfestering thing, and I'm like, why are they saying that protesting rape is a negative? Right. And that's because the publication is severely right. Can I just say, it doesn't work as well in live action. 
Did they oh, even I'm, tackle it in the movie? Yeah, they did. There's so a, there's they a released cut. the movie, and then they had released separately Tales from the Black Freighter as animated shorts. What? But then, in the director's cut of Watchmen, which That's is That's not like, a director's cut. The ultimate cut? What the it's fuck is the it? ultimate cut, okay. which is like almost four hours. Yeah. In the ultimate cut... See, I'd watch four hours of this, and I'm sorry, Zack Snyder, Justice League. I'd rather watch four hours of this. In the ultimate cut, it actually, inter- it actually puts the appropriate parts of the Black Freighter animated uh, shorts into the movie. And it doesn't work is what you're saying? It doesn't. Fuck, because they're really good ways they of like, transitioning. They are good, but when, when, you're, when you're watching it instead of reading it, it's an abrupt break in momentum. It's oh. abruptly like, oh, go, 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 go. It's Change, out of shift the, gears. It's out of the medium of reading, so it feels abrupt. Not wow, only that, you're yes. watching a live action movie and it's an animated short. Yeah. It's a great, great concept of a medium not being able to adapt exactly the same way. I from like another. the idea, and I like that they tried to do it. It just didn't work. No, for me. props to Snyder it for this that. because he gave us, I guess, three cuts of the film. Yeah. Really? You have theatrical directors and an ultimate cut, and he really loved Watchmen. I'm As a, you read Watchmen and you remember the movie, it's one-to-one almost. For sure. I'm a big fan of alternate cuts, and that seems like a way you'd watch that. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to With have that, that element. that exception, that's my preferred way to watch the movie. And yeah. don't get me wrong, I like that those scenes are, like, I like the idea of those scenes being in there. But it really is just a sudden, like, uh, switch gears. But it's weird because those stories are referencing the publication of Watchmen, yes. where the movie doesn't have that same origin point. You know what I mean? Right. So they can't talk about the publication of how the story and how well it's doing. It's already recounting and being Correct. an adaptation. So it would have to be a story about making an adaptation, which wouldn't work. Sorry, but that, so, I felt like I had right, to say that. So we got the Tales of the Black Freighter. Right. We're now, I think, going to the part where... Uh, what, where are we exactly? We now get the scene where uh, Lori believes she's making love to John. Right. right. The only m- to realize that she's making love to multiple Johns. Right. Which is which, a plus in my book, but whatever, lady, But she whatever. didn't consent to it, and consent matters. She consented to sex, and she was pleasantly surprised by more sex. She did not consent to No, DP, she was, she George, was unpleasantly whatever. surprised yeah. that whatever. he wasn't the focus of her attention. Yeah, that was the major part. It wasn't that it was sex. She, no, she yeah. was pissed that how many of you are fucking me? You're fucking me while you're doing experiments in the other room? I can't even well, be no, worth your no, time? No, it, 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 it escalates because at first she's just upset that she he didn't she didn't consent to this. Right. You can't connect to me on a human level, you omnipresent god? How dare you? He used to be a human. I but he's not anymore. She doesn't know that. He's glowing blue. <laughs> All right, man. But go ahead. He's still got a dick. That's human enough. I really like how you're so judgy on her. I know. It's weird because like... Put she, a mi- walk a mile in her she's shoes. She's not a bad character, so, yeah, but I don't is, get her. She's walking away from this enamorous encounter only to also walk past the room where he's running experiments. Yeah. Right. And this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. I'm her. leaving you, John. Yes. Correct. Hey, hey, this is Cody from the Robots Don't Age podcast, and you're listening to Fan Freaks. Be sure to follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and I, I, John has, despite uh, uh, Bone King's assistance that he can't possibly do so, has a brief moment of self-reflection here. It, it just, but yeah, it doesn't yeah. last very long. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, you get where, but at least you get where I'm coming so from, right? I think, and that's it. I think she goes to Dan... 
And then she's talking to him. I just left. I left John. And he's like, oh, well, I'm going to Hollis's. You want to go with me or type some type of shit? While that's happening, John is also preparing for the TV interview. The TV interview. Oh, God, the interview. Yeah, where, that's a big Where point. the Q&A happens. Yes. So to John, it's being presented as just, you know, a fluff piece. It's, you know, you're the hero of America. People want you to come on this show. They want to know. Don't talk about Afghanistan. Yeah. Who's the real Dr. Manhattan? Right. Don't talk about any of that. It's going to be a fluff piece. You right, Bone King? Yeah, because in this scene, they also blindsight the omnipresent man with a question he wasn't anticipating. Correct. Yeah, that's yes. all I'll say about that. <laughs> but this is literally the scene where he explains that. Yeah. He literally explains specifically why that goes down that way. But he's in this interview, mm -hmm. and he is then presented with some accusations that his... Energy? A very sense of being mm -hmm. produces energy that is harmful to others. An intriguing plot point I will definitely yes. agree with. He denies this only to be confronted with his ex-girlfriend. The woman who we previously saw in the flashback scene with the crime... What the fuck were they called? Uh, the crime the, stoppers. The Minute <laughs> no, Man. No, no, no. The Gazette. No, 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 no. Oh, the crime busters. The crime busters. We Janie see her Slater. The, the Janie Slater, his jealous girlfriend in that scene. Uh, anyway, she's uh, she is now revealed from the crowd and appears to have cancer-like symptoms. Yeah, I'm yeah. very happy you phrased the it that way. The doctor gave her six months to live. Yes. Uh, also, interestingly enough, uh, for uh, this, I, I like this small moment is that he gets stopped by one of the like like production assistance mm -hmm. it's like hey your blue glow is really messing with the cameras and he just turns it off yeah like i like that he's he, still he, blue he just, he just it, it goes darker lowers the glow it's just it's also a uh, reflection of his character that he just never thought about yeah, it. yeah exactly so so he's presented with this now horrific idea that the that that he's been also his old friend wally weaver yes. has cancer uh, Edward Jacoby, uh, Edward Jacoby Mollick has cancer. Yeah. Janie Slater has cancer. Myriad of people, they say hundreds of people that have associated themselves with you it's, have now developed cancer. It's so, almost, it's so solid, it's almost convenient. <laughs> so, it is at this moment that the event that sets the climax of this into, into play comes along. Because what happens? Uh, Dr. Manhattan is presented with all these accusations. He's presented with his girlfriend leaving him. And he has a thought and goes, you know what? Fuck this earth bullshit. And just goes away. I, I don't want to be caught in the tangle of their lives. Yeah. Possibly, I think, one of the greatest moves of his character. The, in the earth, people of earth, no idea where he goes. Two people However, died. Two people have a heart attack because yes. he teleported them into their houses. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, that was the the riot. My bad. Whatever. He fucking is. teleports all of them and even the cameras, too, because he doesn't yes. want to see them. Yeah. It may be a weird and time then, to mention, but I just want to thank the dude straight out. Um, I guess I now like whiskey. <laughs> nice. Scotch. But it scotch whiskey. It says on the bottle. Yes, but typically when you're talking about like when you're talking about the differences, when you're talking about scotch, it's because it's from Scotland. Okay. Well, it's different whiskeys. I think this is the best scotch I've ever had. They have a. Di they it have probably a, is. They have a really different good. production method. That's all I'm saying. I, I didn't mean to de derail everything, scotch, but I'm just saying it's really whiskey good. Whiskey and bourbon are yes. technically all the same thing. So he fucks off to yeah. Mars. <laughs> so he fuck. Well, he just fucks off. So Doctor Manhattan fucks off, mm -hmm. which kind of agitates the global powers that be. 
Right. Because he's throughout the book at this point, Russia, Soviet Union, yes, have been uh, capitulated a lot. They 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 have to like go back under themselves because they are scared of Doctor Manhattan. Because you have to understand, Doctor Manhattan is a political topic. Yes. Just his existence yes. is a political yeah. topic. There's even in the background you can see even in the newspaper clippings or. Uh, the newspaper uh, guy with the boy reading the tales of the Black Freighter. Yep. Mm. They're talking about how in the Geneva Convention, the United States aren't even entering talks about nuclear weapons because they don't want to talk about Dr. Manhattan. Right. right. They don't exactly. That's that. their biggest weapon. He is their weapon of mass destruction. It's Dr. Manhattan. And this is a very weighty topic as well. Oh, yeah. by the way. Which, yeah. by the way, they well, do still have nukes here. Es- America still has nukes. Yes. Especially given the time when it was written. And you're saying since Dr. Manhattan is fated by his own fate, he could not just eliminate all nukes with one snap. He can't. Why would he? No, even even to in the comic, the there's, there's an excerpt of a book that talks about, which is the guy who introduces John Osterman to right. the research facility where he becomes Dr. Manhattan. Fucking that guy tells him even Dr. Manhattan cannot stop all the nukes, which is why he is our first deterrent. But our second is mutually it's, it's, assured destruction. I am. Right. I may need to reload, reload the book, <laughs> reread the book, and kind of get an idea of what his cap is. Because right. from what I was reading, he could do anything. So I'm trying to get where that limitation is. But continue. But so, considering what James said earlier, he doesn't know his own cap. Yeah. He is right. constantly growing through the book. Which he's it growing. feels almost intentional with the writer. Because yes. yeah, I get it. But it's so, yeah. With Dr. Manhattan gone, Russia now starts increasing their threat. Right. They At this point, they, uh, they invade give, Afghanistan. Yes. They give us the cold shoulder. Ah. Uh, but this fuels Rorschach's mass killer theory. Yes. Because if you cannot kill the indestructible man, you eliminate him from the board. Exactly. Hmm. So, comedian's Unfortunately, dead. We, are, we are slowly learning that Rorschach is right what a sad world i know (laughs) um so we uh Uh, i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't want to start a whole debate but that's the whole thing the book frames him as someone who is morally wrong but constantly proves him right yes so what is it trying to give me here? Is he is he right because you know what even through his horrible morals he knows the correct thing or it's just he gets lucky on I, his gut feelings. No, I think it's that there's no relationship between intelligence and morality. Okay, that's a different concept that I have not approached I in think this that's way. that's so. the whole point of his character. Hmm, okay, because continue. Because you also have that reflected, it's the mirror reflection of Adrian. Oh, okay, all right. They like they are the they are the yin yangs of each other in this book. Well, because he's all about right. obf- obfuscation, which yes. is like you know ob- making things not Correct. known as the, the ob- yeah. Because, I never thought about that because he pursues justice by means of the truth at all costs, while Adrian pursues justice and despite the, the cost and the improvement of oneself. Which I don't think Rorschach is like. No, no, that's another thing. That's, that's a whole another thing. He really wanted to his, extend his desire it further. To be perfe- yeah, absolutely. He cares more about perfection, and Rorschach, Rorschach constantly does not. But he constantly romanticizes the filth yes, of, of exactly. humanity. So it's kind of an even in there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I think we need to jump ahead a little bit because we now get you know Dan being a whiny bitch for a little bit. 
Right. Uh, There's a lot of that in this yes. book, too, which right. is the whole point of his character being frustrated. And we do see him kind of... I failure to uh, arise to the occasion being a symbolism <laughs> of him feeling neutered ever since he was forced into retirement because of the Keen Act. Right. Which is why he and Lori actually fought, like make love when they do co- perform a heroic act while wearing their outfits. That's the one time they actually express even- it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was the fire. That's right. Yeah. But that's what's so wonderful about this story. And again, I can compliment when something's well-written. They don't just tell you this. They have you experience the frustration that the owl does just in his day-to-day life. And it shows how he's unhappy in anything that's not his alternate identity. He feels true happiness when he is the owl. Right. And you see it not be told. While it. that is happening, Adrian gets assaulted, doesn't he? Well, this part, the, the first thing that we get is, uh, is yeah, the first part that we get is Dr. Manhattan on Mars. And he has the whole uh, flashback. Uh, honestly, the greatest scene in the film, in my opinion. But also here, it's oh, w- well oh, done. Oh, dude, the visual effects of him reassembling himself in the movie were bonkers good. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so he, he reassembles himself. It's him with... Janie, what the fuck is her name again? Jamie. Janie Slater. Janie Slater. Yeah, Janie, where he cheats on her, the whole thing. It's 1959, she gives me a beer. It's 1963, we're making love. It's 1966, she runs away and leaves. But see, but I love that shit. Here's my, but li, but li, <laughs> I have said zero words. No, but, but your face says it all. Listen to I what can't help my face. Listen to what he says. Uh-huh. It's 1957, she gives me a beer. It's ni- It's not. It was 1967. It's. It is. James, right now. I understand no, he's I experiencing all timelines at it. once. I think the dis- the the no. disagreement is I what know. he's able to say and do. I know. But right, this is not a bad scene. No. Uh. But, but that, the what parallel is- for him is the stars, where all we see are star of stars are their old photographs. Yep. For him, that's what life is. You mm-hmm. see a star, right? But that star has been dead. Uh-huh. The entire time you've seen it, it, it exploded and all that. But you still see it. Yeah. There's a deeper meaning to that, and I have yet to really understand it, but for sure, yes. If you want, I can leave the book here. Well, the thing is, remember when you lent the book for me, you were like, why do you have it for so long? Every five pages, I was writing something down and texting you and being like, hey, this could also mean this and this you and that. You stopped texting me after a while. By the I'm way, just saying. this is where that scene happens, where there's the riot outside the White House. Ah, uh, okay. And Dr. Manhattan says, pay attention. You will return to your homes. <laughs> and they respond with, oh, yeah? And what if we don't, you big blue brute? And he says, you misunderstand me. It was not a request. And they're just gone. Well, because he teleports them. He teleported them all back to their homes, which is fucking crazy. Yep. Because not only did he teleport them, he had to know where their homes were. Is Dr. Manhattan one of the only examples of lawful good? No, he's lawful neutral. I would argue neutral. Yeah, I would say he's, I don't even know if he's lawful. I think he's just true neutral. Yeah, no, because true. he still no, he participated in the war. Uh-huh. He was told to, which is good. Well, he had some which sort lawful? of fucking like agency. If you are true neutral, you have no agency. Uh, n- n- no, that's not true at all. 
Well, for the most part, things that are true neutral don't have a, uh, a like a goal or purpose. They're right. just themselves. But he, but the reason he participates in the war is because that was the only way that he could continue to operate publicly. I feel was by, be, was by working for the I U.S. I feel government. this would be a great time to uh, drop another episode idea. Character study, Dr. Manhattan. Holy shit, that's actually a really good idea. Absolutely. Yeah. I occasionally have those. With myself. Jesus. <laughs> uh, we now also see what was another visually striking scene in the movie, which is Dr. Manhattan now testing the limits of his atomic control mm. and creates the Crystal Castle right. up on Mars, which is super cool. Um, and it just, he further reflects on his separation from humanity. Many pages of this. Yes. Uh, we... What do we get to next? We get to where Adrian Veidt gets attacked. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which then furthers Rorschach's mass killer theory because this strange man shoots at his assistant. And in the middle of shooting Adrian Veidt's assistant, Adrian then whacks him with a fucking steel pole. And it's like, get, no, he's got a cyanide capsule. Got it out. Get it out. Yeah. Quote, unquote, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, cyanide uh-huh. capsule. Yeah, not the cyanide capsule that he just jammed in his mouth. Right. Um, well, he had an attempted murder and he did a sick defense maneuver. It's like, yeah, yeah, you get the it's idea. It's worth noting that we're that uh, uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Manhattan, uh, Adrian Veidt, is about as old as the comedian. Yeah. But in much better shape and much more youthful. You for do some f- fucking reason. You Possibly also do see. He Possibly is in phenomenal shape. Yes. And you see that with him making his own fitness program, a la Jane Fonda in the 80s. Uh-huh. You know, he does a lot of these things. He does a lot of ex- exhibitions of, of physical feats because he's always constantly saying it. And uh, James is going to like that I remembered this. But there's a point in the comic, George, where somebody says, I heard Mandius is fast enough to catch a bullet. And then it that's foreshadowing for what happens later. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, that definitely happens. But again, though, I mentioned the whole idea of him achieving perfection, like he's always about improving his body, and that being represented in the action figures around him. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of great shit there. Just a, a brief, like, one-second tangent. This is the message to bookstores out there. Stop sticking anti-theft devices to the inside of pages, you assholes. Oh, is that on that page? Yeah, that's so bad. I couldn't even read that. Yeah. It's just a fuck off sticker. Yeah, it's literally like, just a big fuck off sticker blocking another excerpt from uh from the Under the Hood. Yeah. No, actually this is the review of the of the of the Tales from the, Tales Black, of the Black Raider. But again though, they could have just totally written him as a rich businessman, but they made it a point to show the action figures. Yes. Right. Yeah, I get it. I get what you're giving me, book. I get what you're giving so, me. So we get some Rorschach backstory here, him being abused, him. Uh, oh, did we do the therapist the, part? Is this it? Yes. No. Yeah. Okay, Sorry. I have no, no. Go ahead. The, go ahead. the son of a of a prostitute. Yeah. Earlier in the book, he mentions how his father, and uh, uh, is very right leaning. Where uh, he believed in an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, but knowing Rorschach and knowing his backstory, he never met his father. Right. He doesn't know who his dad is. Now, if I may, this wait, hold on. Okay, go ahead. Just because what leads up to why does he get arrested again? I forgot. He gets caught. 
He gets caught right, for the murder what? of Edward Jacoby. Oh, he gets that's framed, right. Yeah. That's right. He gets framed for yeah. He gets framed for Mullen. by someone with an anonymous to uh-huh. someone who right. might be rich or blonde or Maybe. may have an action figure line. Who knows? But <laughs> one thing I I want to mention because you brought uh, you were here and yes. I loved this therapist section. This chapter might be one of my favorite chapters in the whole book. Okay, to be honest, right. only because. Okay, when Rorschach is giving his opinions about the Rorschach test he is taking, uh-huh. uh, the answers he gives, how he gives totally like plain, non-conflicting pretty answers. Butterfly. Pretty butterflies. Uh, a sunny day. Like he's just doing shit I like that. I just got to the scene with the dog with his head split open. It's Sorry. pretty fucking grim. Uh-huh. I know. But but I like that. Instead of like a modern day DC movie, I'm so sorry to do this, where like they it's would okay. be like, go, go. I see the dismal, dismality of humanity or something. Like, no, it shows that he's dark, but he's not trying to be dark. He just is. And he's not going to waste time talking about his darkness. He just yeah. says, yeah, it's a pretty butterfly. Whatever. If it gets me out of here, I'll say All it. the while visualizing a particular interaction he had with, it was a pedophile or something, it's right? It's a pedophile, uh, a pedophile murderer. murderer. Yeah, yeah. Who like cut up the kids. He cut up. Yeah. He, he would get the kids, fuck them. No, no, no. Continue. I was just saying, no. fuck them. Kill him and feed him to his two dogs. Right. Right. He then proceeds to throw one of the dogs at the guy. <laughs> yeah. Before brutalizing the man also. But this is also the first instance where Rorschach actually kills. Yes. Because before he used to be very much like Dan. Oh, this was the turning point. Yeah. Yeah. Him. Where Dan and him would honestly just, you know, beat up the guy, you know, and handcuff him, leave him oh, for the right. cops. He doesn't beat him to death. He lights him on a fire. Flame um, purifies all. Um, but really quick, I just want to talk about this chapter really quick because I feel like this chapter actually as a premise would be a great movie. Like it's almost like Mind Hunters in the sense of a therapist <laughs> trying to get through to an insane person, but like, why are they insane? What is the idea behind their insanity? But in trying to do that, becomes just as callous as his client. Yeah. Which, that, you you guys got that, right? Right. His rela- he, the, the therapist's uh, marriage falls apart because he becomes just as callous as Rorschach in trying to discover on what Rorschach is. Right. I mean... You guys I, get that great, like, analogy, right? Like, I, that great I, I think, symbolism? I think we do get that in some films. I just don't know any off the top of my head. But it is a trope. It is a trope where the the psychologist or whatever, the mental health doctor, uh, not falls for the patient, but symbolizes with the patient or becomes the patient. But it becomes one of uh, the first foreshadowings of the main theme of this entire yes. story. The idea of becoming the monster you sought to destroy. Absolutely. It is a main theme among the entire but book. he doesn't see it that way. No, 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 of course not. But what I'm saying is like this therapist story yeah. is a truncated, streamlined version of the main theme of the entire book. For sure. And I thought that was insanely clever. I'm sorry. Uh, we now get like, by the way, this, I, I like that uh, his address is just listed as transient, which is <laughs> funny to me. Uh, we, we now get another little excerpt, which is actually his criminal and psychological file uh, from him now being arrested. Oh, and he makes a Silent Hill monster. What? Uh, oh, Rorschach. Yeah. He creates his own Silent Basically, Hill monster. It's yes. pretty interesting. Uh, but 
we now get a moment where I think it's Dan and Lori start thinking that Rorschach might be right. Yeah, because if you start looking at all the dots, you have first Edward Blake, comedian, yep. dies. Then you have Dr. Manhattan goes to Mars. Then you have Adrian uh, gets attacked. Yep. And then you have Moloch killed. Yep. So somebody's gunning somebody's for masks. Somebody's gunning for masks. Mm-hmm. So now realizing that uh, Rorschach might be right, they have to break. They him decide out of jail. to break him out of jail. Right. Which is starts their their romance. Did they fuck basically. before that or this? No, not yet. Okay. They haven't. They haven't rescued the burning Bef- building yet. That's Bef- what it was. It's before they save. Uh, before they save Rorschach. After they save the building. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Get when a quickie. Ha- let me know when that happens. Got something to say about that too. Hey, what? Get a quickie in. They fucked twice? No, no, no. It was after the building, before Rorschach. They, they got a quickie. In Archimedes. In. Like they got oh, but a I thought quickie. the building happens after rescuing Rorschach. No, it's before. It's what Lee. Well, I thought the burning building was before Rorschach, too, which is why I thought to bring it up now. I'm but now probably confusing it with a movie. If I may, I only have one thing to say about the whole sex scene thing in the ship. Go because ahead. as we're saying, they're they're basically reliving their older identities as these superheroes and saving people. Which is like, they're dipping into the 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 ecstasy of doing their original task of saving people as superheroes because that is what gets them in the mood. Well, I mean, to be fair, I don't think that's quite the case with Silk Spectre more, as much as it is with the Night Owl. Shh, okay, I'll, I'll concede to that. But I, I definitely think... So we, we get the idea from other things in the comic that Night Owl has been a little impotent, both in his love life and in his... Superhero like, just, life. In his superhero life, yeah. exactly. Just right. life. Basically, he felt that superheroism is what gave him purpose. Right. He feels like nothing without the cape, basically. Which is why I, I wanted to make a specific mention on the sex ship. He has a dream. It's not the sex ship. Anyway, <laughs> he, has a, he has a dream on the sex ship, which I I always, I, I would like hashtag to- Hashtag sex ship. Hashtag sex ship. Um, but yeah, no, I always point to that dream sequence as being like baby's first symbolism. It is probably the most straightforward symbolism in the entire book of him and uh, Silk Spectre making out, and then he rips off her skin, or no, she rips off his skin to reveal the Night Owl costume right. underneath, to to basically symbolize how they've uh, they've achieved their true selves. They've really right. found themselves in each other right, right. in their identities as superheroes which is a very which is a very thing related to Batman it's inverting the idea of secret identity well but that's that's just it with Batman no because, I I get it but well because yeah. Batman's whole thing is that for Batman Bruce Wayne is the costume right and but so it's another reflection it works that. for here as well yeah. but it even goes above that to where that's where they feel the most sexually free their most free self and in is, the background you have a nuke going off well, that's for the big explosion. You got to go out with a bang. But I'm just saying, like, the that whole dream sequence the of... minor fall, the major lift. It's the best use of hallelujah in a movie ever, by the way. Oh, they used it in that scene? I don't in even the, remember. In that scene, it's hallelujah. I love that scene. As <laughs> soon as she comes, it's hallelujah. I'm just talking about straightforward symbolism that's easy to understand. Right. Like, it's it's... You could spend this entire story talking about how he's impudent, and then when they literally show it, yes, that's a scene right there. When they sh- that you can understand his entire character point and arc just from that page that he's holding right now, mm-hmm. just from the images, 
it, it reaffirms it. And I thought that was extremely clever. That's all. So no, just to clarify, you're all correct. The fire rescue happens. Yeah. They rescue a bunch of people from a burning building. Uh, the owl feels invigorated. Fuck so Spectre. That whole scene happens. But you agree that then, the dream sequence no, is... for sure. Yeah, okay. Then is when they decide we need to break Rorschach out of prison. Yes, that's when they do, yes. Uh, and they go to do so only to think that they're on their way to rescue him, but he's already beaten his way through half of the prison. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> in a little funny thing, there's a dwarf character named Big Figure. Right. And uh, he's like this mob boss that Rorschach put in jail earlier. So he's trying to get, you know, his vengeance. But Rorschach kills him and kills him brutally. Well, I because you have another one of admittedly Rorschach's great lines, which is when they try to assault him in, the, in his prison cell. He says, no, you've got this confused. You think I'm locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. Does he say that to them or the therapist? Because that he was a line. The, the therapist them. says, he said, you're locked in here with me. I don't remember that. But no, he definitely says it to them. Hmm. Because at the the very next scene is where you see the blood coming out from underneath the door. Okay. Because he's basically just turned them all into mush. He might have said it twice. Maybe. It's possible. It's a good line. It's a good line. It's a good line. <laughs> Uh, if it's, it was good enough once, it's good enough a second right? time. <laughs> but at this point, the Night Owl and Silk Spectre get him out of there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they fly away to Vite Tower, right? Yep. Basically to try and figure out what's going on. But when they do that, they make a quick stop to Night Owl's place oh. to kind of park the ship, try to figure out who's behind it. Wait, did we skip over Night Owl 1's death? Yes. Oh. That's another reason Night why Owl they one dies, right? But, but it gets weird. It gets attributed to this mass killer theory. But uh, uh, but this isn't even part of the plot. Turns out he just gets killed by two random like dope. No, it's not two. It's like five, six. Oh, oh, that's right. Because he does not fight tops. the boss. Yeah, the, the not tops. tops. That's right. And uh, but it gets attributed to this mass killer theory, even a, though it's not associated at all. It's a taste of cold reality yeah. in your mystery tale. So yeah, um, for sure. But. Yes, it, it's also really beautiful in it, in its uh, sadness, honestly. Well, actually, no, look, this is where it happens right here. It's actually right after the prison break. <laughs> Can you imagine Rorschach being like, hey, I'm really thankful you guys take me out of prison and stuff, but, like, it smells like sex in here. <laughs> no, no he I don't can, think he, he can smell can't com- anything. He can't complain about anything smelling bad. Well, he knows. Um, he has to know. No, he doesn't. Oh, okay. Um, so what's next? No, well, but Lori... And John have the debate, and they well, have the debate on Mars. John comes back to Earth, to Earth, and is like, "I need to bar. I need to. I I need to go with Lori." And they start arguing for a second before he just takes her and goes back to Mars. Mm. Yeah. And in a ref, in a moment of reflecting upon the fact that he is not human, he forgets that she can't breathe on Mars. So she would die in a millisecond. That wouldn't be a millisecond. Uh, She's dying as he realizes. Oh, no, it's a vacuum. He creates a vacuum. Mars has an atmosphere. Is it as good as ours to not be a vacuum? But the point is, but but even in the vacuum of space, it would still take you about twelve seconds to die. All right, I don't know about the factual evidence of suffocating on Mars. I've looked it up, but the point is, on Mars, it would be more like just asphyxiation because it's not the air isn't being pulled out of you. You just can't simply can't breathe. Uh, But he then creates an artificial atmosphere for her. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. But the point is, instantly he forgets that she needs to fucking This breathe. omnipresent but, being yeah. forgets. But yeah. while that is going on, meanwhile, at Vite Tower, you yes. have Rorschach and uh, uh, Dan start investigating. No, not at Vite Tower. First, they go through the the seedy the bars or whatever. Right. And then that's when Night Owl 2, Dan, finds out that Hollis dies. Yeah. And you see him break because he loves Hollis so yeah. much. He he ne- you see throughout the book and throughout his story, he never really cared for his family, but he saw a lot of Hollis. And Hollis looked to him as a son. It was it was a very nice paternal uh relationship. So when Hollis dies, this is the first time you see Dan really fucking lose it. And he kind of starts becoming Rorschach because he starts beating the shit out of yeah. a knot top. Again, the main theme of this story is becoming the monster you sought to destroy. And it comes up so many times. It does. He's beating the shit out of the knot top. Fucking Rorschach's like, come on, Dan, we must go. And and Dan's just like, I will fucking kill all of you. I'll burn this neighborhood to the ground. Whoever killed Hollis. Because, you know, it's just a lot of primal emotion. And I guess this is just because he's becoming, again, what he was. He's becoming Night Owl. He's becoming what he used to be. No, because Night Owl wasn't this violent. He's becoming worse than what he sought out to destroy, which is kind of the idea with some of these characters, too. Not yeah, but only. I'm just attributing it because it's just so much unbridled emotion. Right. And throughout the first half of the book, you don't see shit of that. You barely, he, he's so milquetoast. Well, he because he's like sexually frustrated the whole fucking book. He's not only sexually frustrated, but he's just frustrated with life itself. Yeah. He has nothing going on. No future, no positives, nothing. Well, he has a stable life that he can, can live forever, but he doesn't have the zest or any drive to make something out of Zero it. Zero ambition. Exactly. Which is what's great about that scene. But. Uh, after that bar, they go to Vite Tower Hang because on. oh, because what? I don't I don't want to skip over an important uh, moment for Lori's character that happens in her meeting with Doctor Manhattan. Well, I, okay, because well, it's happening simultaneously, and they have a whole conversation about his disassociation from humanity, and he also tells her that this conversation is going to end with you in tears, and then they have this whole argument. So he whole- can say that. Yes. So he can say this conversation yes. will end in tears. Correct. Okay, but he because can't it's say that, because it's in the script. But he can't say that earlier on in his script because that wasn't in the script. Fucking fuck. <laughs> Fucking fuck. This is this, save it for the character study. Go. That's uh, the one part that feels so nebulous in such a well-detailed story. But it's supposed uh, to because it prevents you from understanding his character. So mm, okay. Anyway. Uh huh. We then have a moment where Dr. Manhattan is recalling events of Lori's life. And in the process of doing so, forces her to come to a revelation. That she is doc- uh, she is the comedian's daughter. Ugh. Sally that and Edward. Actually. After the rape, had consensual sex, had a consensual relationship. And gay, and she is the product of that relationship. Question. Yes. Is that he's the, not in this book? Is, <laughs> uh, is that the reason why Silk Spectre Senior yes. does not show so much resentment 
towards the comedian. 100%. 100%. Because he fathered her yes. daughter, and that's something no, she appreciated. Not just, because they fa- no, not just because she fathered her daughter, she loved him. But that's the thing. That's what I'm asking here. Is it so much that she loved comedian, or that no, comedian no, no. gave her something she truly loved? They had a loved? loving relationship for a bit. They had uh, a real relationship. I don't know how how well I feel about someone getting into a loving relationship with their abuser. It's 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 awful. It's awful. There's it's a real. reason why Alan Moore is single now. Continue. <laughs> For me, it was that she was happy with her daughter. Like that was the one thing that I he like gave that. her. I like that, and I hope that's it. I but, hope that's it, because otherwise, it's but fucked. Sally does come off like she genuinely does love him. You're right. I couldn't know for sure, but I like to think it's for the daughter and I'm not hoping, for that. I'm hoping you're right. Yeah. So, I, yes. I truly don't think that's the case. But we don't. I don't right. Know. Well, let me anyway. be stupid and think that is. <laughs> um. So then she has this moment where she throws the glass bottle, the, this the, the little storm in a bottle that fucking Dr. Manhattan created, and she throws it as his castle. And realistically, there's no reason for that to destroy the castle. But it does. Dr. Manhattan has this moment where he manifests breaking down his superhumanity in the visual representation of him breaking down his castle. Because he just loves humoring people by this point. No, but this... No, no but he does love her and This he is sees. the moment where he realizes there's a little more humanity in him than he realized. Okay. This is the moment where he actually empathizes with her. And in doing so... That's the visual representation. Not when representation. he dated her, of course. No, of course not. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the visual representation of the castle coming down is his castle, his walls, his whatever. It's a literal metaphor yeah, of what's exactly. happening internally. It is Absolutely. metaphorical. Uh-huh. Dude, every uh, five pages in this fucking book. <laughs> like Five? Uh, I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> like, it's, it's a lot. I'd say a page. And then he and Lori vanish off the face of Mars. Dr. Manhattan leaving and behi- the yes. Spectre too. Leaving behind the smiley face pin, by the way. Oh. Which means that he has a sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, or he's replicating. Yeah, it's got to be for, because no one's seeing that. Exactly. Like, what the fuck? It's just for his own, it's- like, hee <laughs> hee. I think the the government sees it. Shit like that. Maybe. You might be right. Because they're focusing on him. They are watching but, him but on Mars. But shit like that makes me feel like he's not omnipresent. He's By just the way, at this time, the clock is inching ever closer to midnight, which is nuclear Doomsday. Armageddon. Right. Uh, oh, by the way, on the topic of Dr. Manhattan being omnipresent, several points throughout the book, though, whenever he references the, the way he experiences time, he also references a blind spot somewhere in his perception of time there is a blind spot that he cannot perceive and he actively says that that is causing a ripple effect on him throughout his entire timeline having a since he experiences it all at once he technically has a moment of non-existence from his perception it's just a random moment in his timeline right and laurie asks like how what could cause that and he says most likely, nuclear weapons are possible for yes. this. Well, mm. c- because nuclear weapons can technically disrupt tachyons, right. which are relevant to the way his power set works. But wouldn't he know? That's my thing. No. I understand there is a there is a dip in where he is able to have consciousness, but everything post that dip will have the knowledge of what happened previously. <sighs> okay, 
But that's just it. He's not really experiencing his knowledge at that time. He's experiencing his the events at that time. And remember, right after the black spot, he disappears. But he does, but shouldn't, he is actively living that point after the black spot. So yes. he should have the context as to why he disappeared. If he's recalling that at any specific moment, and he's not. That does not make sense to me. <laughs> All right, okay. save it for the character study. We're in the home stretch. <laughs> we are in the home stretch. We are. Uh, so now we've got uh, Dan, a uh, uh, fucking Night Owl, we Thank have Horshack, and we have Silk Spectre. They're on their way to Antarctica because they have deduced that it was Adrian Vite all along. Final confrontation coming up, which is the point that we, the point that we've been not so subtly leading to this whole time is that the the mastermind behind the plot is Adrian Vite. What? What a surprise! What the fuck? Sorry, guys. And it's worth noting why he was able to toss uh, the comedian, who is a large man, right? Is because we find out that. A, Adrian Veidt is an expert in genetics. And not only has he genetically engineered himself his own cat. Right, a lynx. A, uh, a genetically modified lynx. Bubastis. He's also genetically modified himself to mm. basically be peak human. That's the thing, though. What? I find that there is a fallacy with his fucking mission statement. Of okay. course if you're tr- Well, yeah, he's also insane. I kind of prefaces all of it. I don't think but he if, is insane. But, but if you are trying to be peak humanity, yes. having an exterior means of reaching that peak humanity is not reaching peak humanity. You have ascended humanity. You have sure. become something beyond or aside yes. from humanity. He's trying to speed but up the evolution. Which is counterintuitive with what his mission statement internally not is. Not if you're a narcissist. I guess that's the point because is that it keeps he's going. he's the one that achieves that. But the, the, what I guess what makes him such a great character as well is that his goalpost keeps moving. By the way, I just want to say for the record, and I guess this might not come to surprise anyone since I am the supervillain of this show, uh, Adrian Veidt is my favorite Watchmen character. Oh, and the whole thing? Oh, yeah. He's great. For sure. He's great. I mean, He's by far the most interesting to me. He says one of my favorite lines in the whole thing, but I guess we'll get to that yes. at some point when it happens. Uh, so... Uh, we now get to some Adrian Veidt stuff, which is where we now start learning some more specifics of his plan. His motive. His motive, yeah. his, his means, all this stuff. And it eventually comes to a head when the three heroes arrive at his base. And, and we have a him. fight. Yes. A not yeah, it's not much of a fight. One, yeah, but. Because right. guess what? An out-of-shape night owl, a smelly homeless dude, and probably the only one of the three of them who's in any kind of shape is uh, Silk. Silk Spectre. A genetically perfect human handedly takes them all down. Right. But he also makes it very clear that he doesn't want to hurt them. No. Well, in not... his high fucking, like, uh, what's it called? High horse yeah. self of, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, I don't want to hurt he... you. I'm so good. No, he... There's no point to hurting them. Exactly. There's nothing to be gained here. I uh, Look, okay. Yes, I think you guys are going to have this sort of level of humanity with Vite, but there is that on top of him kind of seeing himself above all of this too. Like he says, yeah, there's no point in doing this, but he doesn't like, he still sees himself as above it. You know mm. what I mean? It's a thin line here of humanity. I don't know. I, I I don't think he's that callous. That's the problem. It's interesting. Well, I don't know, bro. He's he has made the decision that a certain amount of people's lives is worth world peace. 
Well, in his summation, the nuclear war is inevitable. So let's mm. get to that. Yeah, we now see the de- we now see him causing the death of several figures, and we're not really sure why. Right. Uh, we see him actively paralyze what we la- later learn to be a group of scientists. Uh, and he actually has a, a line that we discussed uh, to some extent here uh, before recording this, which is in the process of paralyzing and killing these scientists, he uh, he makes more references, more parallels, if you will, between himself and Alexander of Macedonia. His obsession with Alexander, yes. Yes. Uh, which is the scene where he actively tells them uh, what intellectual magnificence their system, Ptolemy, uh, seeking the uh, universe's pivot from the lighthouse at Pharos, Eratosthenes, measuring the world using only shadows. He's also a giant history geek. Yes. Yeah. Their greatest secrets, however, were entrusted to their servants, buried alive with them in sand-flooded chambers. This is paralleling what he's currently doing to exactly. them. And he tells them, today, well, adopting Ramses II's Greek name and Alexander's freebooting style... The, mm. But that's the thing. That could have been anyone that you objectively or, or subjectively think has a freebooting style. No, but like, he's also uh, that's also a, a nod to homosexuality. No, I, I get why he picked him. I'm just saying it could have been anyone with that Thus logic. Thus began my path to conquest. Conquest not of men, but of the evils that beset them. Men do them. yes. Today that conquest becomes assured, in which your unquestioning assistance has proven invaluable. Do you comprehend the triumph to which you have contributed, the secret glory that it affords? Do you understand my shame at so inadequate a reward? The reward being their death, despite their, despite how necessary they were to his success. I Look, I get it. He has some remorse for yes. having to kill these people, but he still killed these people. He, by the way, is lawful as fuck. But lawful, no, I'm sorry, evil chaotic. almost. No, he's not chaotic. Yeah, he's no, lawful. This is absolutely chaotic. He's trying to establish a new world order. He's he's no, he if isn't. anything, he's lawful but evil. One that he's not in charge of. But he frameworked. Yes. So it's still a framework. He can't be chaotic. But and, it's by his own morality, which is chaotic. Chaotic is that you want no framework. You no, want to do whatever you that, want. That, 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 that's a misunderstanding of the of, of the way the alignment system works. Well, uh, again, this isn't D&D as well. But, sure, but chaotic simply refers to you don't follow rules other than your own. Okay. Okay. And that's actively what he's doing. Whereas Rorschach thinks that he's following some kind of moral code. Okay. That's the difference in the two. Okay. Anyway. So, mm-hmm. we see him kill these scientists. Uh, he is then confronted by the trio. And eventually, uh, he goes into a supervillain monologue. As you do. As you do. Yes, but you as do. he says. But with one twist. Yeah, which I love. Which is my favorite line in, of his in the entire thing. What is the line? I'm it, not a comic book villain. Oh, no, yeah. That's not what it is. It's a oh. simple line. I'm waiting for you guys to say it before I do. I don't remember. No, just say it. All right. He goes on and does this entire, like, Bond villain monologue. And they're like, there's no way you're going to get away with this, Asmanius. And he's like, oh, I already, have. I already did, like, an hour ago. Yeah. And it's like, so there you go. That's the best way to do that. So they confront him with all these killings. And he tells them exactly why. And he tells them his plot. He tells them. 
the earth is on the brink of disaster. We are, nuclear war is inevitable. And the only way to stop that is by giving man a threat greater than itself. You understand this was also Wesker's motive as well. Doctor, or um, the dude. And sure. we got the Resident Evil reference. I'm in. just saying, All right, it's folks, very put that similar. Down on your, put that down on your two, bingo card. Two Resident full, Evil reference. I spent two full hours not talking about Resident Evil. I'm shocked he went that long. But I that agree. was the whole idea of Ouroboros. I'm sorry. Continue. No, you said it wrong. Ouroboros. Anyway, we now get the full explanation of Doc of Doctor Man of Adrian's plan. Well, kinda as well. Well. Which is, he specifically orchestrated a situation that would result in Dr. Manhattan leaving Earth. Mm -hmm. Specifically because he knew that nuclear war was inevitable, and he basically wanted it to happen on his terms. Mm -hmm. Because now, with the world at the brink of war, he could present humanity with an enemy greater than itself. And now we find out who these scientists were. These were geneticists, these were bioengineers, these were also artists, science fiction writers, all kinds of interesting people that he brought together to create an alien fucking squid. I will definitely admit (laughs) this squid thing- With one big ass eye. This Uh squid thing kind of hits you almost breakneck when it does show up. Yeah. But there is foreshadowing for it oh, if you is. pay attention. It, the, the problem is, like, this story quickly goes from Dr. Manhattan to being the only person with superpowers straight into sci-fi as fuck. Yeah. Like, they just make an so, alien being. like. So, uh, Adrian Veidt actively uh, bioengineers this Adrian... Sci- oh, oh uh, also, the book kind of glosses over the fact that psychics are real in this world. Oh, yeah, because they had to communicate with a psychic to design the monster no, in the first place. No, not just communicate with a psychic. The core of the monster is a giant cloned brain of a psychic. That's that's right, and that's what causes the psychic explosion yes. and whatnot. So, yeah. he then tells them his plan. My plan is to drop this monster into the middle of Manhattan. A man-made alien. A man-made alien, but the world won't know that. The world will think they're being attacked by an Extra... extraterrestrial force. Yeah. Which is why we designed the, it this way, yeah. yeah. And the whole reason that the artists and all that were involved is because he loaded the psychic brain with alien imagery. So that when it landed, died, and released a psychic blast, it would basically psychically kill millions of people in Manhattan. Right. The result being that the threat greater than themselves would unify humanity. Which it did. We'll get there. But yes, unify humanity against a common goal, effectively bringing the doomsday clock to a halt. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this a little bit early, but I get, this is what's beautiful about his character. It's, a, it's more of like a, a divine tragedy in yes. this way, where he goes through all of these really depraved ways of making sure humanity has a common enemy and will achieve world peace. And I know I'm skipping a little bit, but when Dr. Manhattan speaks to him for the last time, the last his last words are, nothing ever changes. So all of this effort, all of the things that he thinks he's sacrificing for an ultimate good that will last forever will not last forever. Something, nothing ever changes. Well, well, well so uh, obviously, uh, obviously Dan or Night Owl is like, I'm sorry, you're clearly insane. You need help. 
Like, this is not okay. And when were you planning to do this? Which is the response, do it. Dan, I'm not a Republic serial villain. Do you seriously think I'd explain my master stroke if there remained the slightest chance of you affecting its outcome? Outcome? I did it 35 minutes ago. Which is my favorite line of his, because it's just so straight up like, yeah, that would be what you do. It is Machiavellian to the extreme. It's so good. There is a line that I really like in the movie that I don't know if it's in the book that Night Owl says, where, uh, you know, Adrian's like, I saved humanity. Mm. And Night Owl's like, you didn't save humanity. You deformed it. You perverted it. I think that is in the book. But that's the thing. He's like, I did it. It was all to this end. But that's the thing. This there, There is no end. There will be something else, a new problem to arise. What he's doing is ultimately futile. Perhaps. In the grand screen, scream, sc- uh, scheme of humanity, it is ultimately futile. He's just... Uh, play, it is it in humanity's nature to destroy itself. Yes. It's yeah, I watched Terminator the inevitable. So at this point... Uh, Dr. Manhattan and Lori get back from their trip from Mars only to find a destroyed New York. Right. Not knowing what's happened, they seek out Dan. And by virtue of one thing leads to another, they end up at the Arctic base also. Meanwhile, we have the Agent versus John fight. Yes. Which Uh, is all, it's great because it's not a fisticuffs, obviously. Right. But it's great. Well, see, this is this, so. This is like uh, Lex Luthor losing chest to Superman. This is one of those moments because Adrian Veidt, in his highest level of intelligence, obviously has a contingency plan for Doctor Manhattan. Part of the re- uh, oh, it's worth noting that the black spot in Doctor Manhattan's perception of time mm. was caused by Adrian Veidt actively creating basically a cloud of tachyons that prevented him from perceiving this moment. Which is kind of, uh, yeah, I get why, but in a script writing kind of way, it's like, oh, so this is the one thing that he can't see through, but yeah. I, I, it's it serves and a purpose. Superman can see through that. When John arrives, uh, yeah. when when uh, when Dr. Manhattan arrives, Adrian Veidt, in all of his smugness, activates his secret weapon, a machine that breaks Dr. Manhattan apart at the atomic level, at- leaving Laurie in shock. And everybody in disarray. Oh God, what are we going to do? And then Doctor Manhattan delivers. It's not. It's not even a good line. It's just a great attitude, which is. I, I want to actually get to it. Because, well, yeah. when he dies, hold on. They left Laurie, you know, distressed, confused, and with a gun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. And she yeah. shot. And she Adrian. shot. Like, yeah. And, when he catches the bullet. Which is like, it still must have hurt. Oh, like, what he's the bleeding. Fuck? Yeah, so his like his hands are like. But he torn gets up. up and he totally yeah yeah, yeah he's genetically uh, he then kicks modified. her in the fucking chest yeah. Uh, but then we get uh, I'm very disappointed, Vite. Very disappointed. Yes, the omnipresent being is disappointed. He's being continue. He's being like super. He's like he's condescending. He's I know. Condescending. I'm just saying. restructuring myself after the subtraction of my intrinsic field was the first trick I learned. It didn't kill Osterman. Did you think it would kill me? So there Finally we cementing ha- that he's not Osterman anymore. Right. That there is no John. Only Dr. Manhattan. Well, yeah, because he definitely identifies as a different being post that uh, incident. Yeah, yes, post sure. that event. I've walked across the sun. I've seen events so tiny, so fast, they hardly can be said to have occurred at all. 
But you, you're a man. And this world's smartest man means no more to me than its smartest termite. Ah! I love it! Love it's you, It's such a good burn, man. It's such a good burn. And just such a, like... I don't know. It, it feels like... I, I love this moment of just humbling his perfection. Well, you're taking his entire uh, thematic arc and stunting it. His whole thing is about improvement, creating perfection, and then you told him that it's futile. Yes. You will never be perfect. Yes, because I exist, basically. Yeah. Because I exist, uh -huh. yes. Uh, but while that's happening, and what we and clearly Dr. Manhattan is threatening him, all the news monitors behind Adrian start to turn on. Mm -hmm. And all the news reports of the end of the war... Because uh, as, as humanity unifies behind this alien threat, peace summits, peace talks, end of the war, end Russia, of the war, America end of the war. to join efforts, Russia and America to join efforts. Da -da -da -da. Adrian just screams out, "I did it!" Uh huh. And Doctor Manhattan is forced to accept the success of his plan, and in doing so, all the heroes accept the reality that. They have to keep this a secret. In order to maintain world In peace. In order to maintain they have world to keep peace, it a they have to keep this a secret. Except, Except for one. And that is Rorschach, who believes in truth through absolute justice. Or when it justice fits, through absolute when it truth. fits yes, his of framework, of yeah. course, because that's a big defining factor here. And then he leaves. He leaves the Antarctic. He literally walk, like yeah. goes to walk outside. Like he's going to go walk home? Like what the <laughs> fuck, no, dude? Actually, that's the thing, though. I think there's a purpose to that. I think he knew Dr. Manhattan was going to kill him. I think him. he did, too, because we now know he already had a contingency plan. Yeah, because he didn't but, have an idea if he was going to walk home. I think he right. knew he was going to die. Well, on that, like, see, that's just it, though. I don't know if he, he knew that Dr. Manhattan was going to be there. I just think he expected somebody was going to stop him. I knew he was, he knew he was going to point die is, for some reason. He tries to leave. Dr. Manhattan confronts him and tries to get him to... To change his mind and he says no in no short term does he say absolutely not and then dr manhattan uh and then he actively goads dr manhattan into vaporizing him yep he takes off his mask and screams do it and dr manhattan leaves a rorschach colored stain on the snow that's correct and honestly it's just as traumatic of an ending for a traumatic life it's just like also, he, he, he lived as he died. Yeah. Dr. Manhattan comes Disgusting. back inside only to realize that, like, Dan and Lori are fucking somewhere in Adrian's fucking Yeah, it's like a random house. hot tub. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah, I feel nostalgic. We'll uh, fuck. And that's the whole idea. Uh, that's how their story ends. Dr. Manhattan smiles upon them and has a final conversation with Adrian Veidt. Uh, which is where he tells him, basically. My favorite line. Or not my favorite line, but one of my it's favorite lines really good. Manhattan. Uh, which is, uh, I'd hoped you'd understand, unlike Rorschach. And he says, you needn't consider Rorschach. I strongly doubt he'll reach civilization. Because he hasn't told them that he's vaporized them. But yes, I understand. Without condoning or condemning, human affairs cannot be my concern. I'm leaving this galaxy for one less complicated. But you'd regained interest in human life. Yes, I have. Oh, yes, I have. I think perhaps I'll create some. Goodbye, Adrian. Becomes a god, essentially. Just Always decides, was. Just decides to well, go create life. 
That's not the final line, though, because... Uh, no, he says, in the end, nothing ends, Adrian. That. Nothing ever ends. That is so poignant to me, because the entire story is speaking in such absolutes that for it to end with an idea of, yeah, all this absolute talk, but ultimately nothing ever ends, and even you can have the most die-cast idea and yep. follow it through to a T, but nothing ends. It, something else can happen, and it leaves him alone with his superiority. He is there thinking about it and having buyer's remorse on world peace. By the way... Uh, so, yeah, I'm sorry, no, but no, isn't no, that right. interesting? Yes, yes. 100%. I'm just saying. Buyers are more some yes, that is a great way to describe I've it. I've never actually. heard of a story doing that. It's so interesting. So the story, as far as the main plot of the book, is effectively over here. We now hit a time skip where it now shows Lori and Dan having adopted new identities, possibly continuing their caped alter egos. We don't really know. But they're visiting Sally. They have a nice talk with her. Everything's great. Uh, and as they leave, you see Sally cry a tear and kiss the picture of the comedian in the picture of the Minutemen. Which confirms that she had feelings for him. Mm -hmm. and it's, yeah. It's fucked. That's rough. We then also get a flash to the editing room. Of Wait, does she kiss comedian or just the picture? Because... Hollis also dies, and she felt no, bad. The kiss is actively over oh, comedian's face. Got it, got yeah. it, got it. Uh, and then we get the final scene of the story, which is what the fuck is the name of this publication again? It's a something. New Gazette. Frontiersman. The New Frontiersman. Thank you. We get a scene to the editing room of the New Frontiersman, where someone there gets a pa an unmarked package. Oh yes. And the inside the unmarked package, it is revealed to be. Rorschach. Rorschach's notebook. Now, Dr. Manhattan specifically said, I highly doubt he will reach civilization, mm -hmm. which might have been clever wording on his it, part, that it it's not necessarily him to reveal it, but his notebook, the reveal to society, what happened and what the truth of things. Right. So, and, and, you know, we're led to believe they obviously printed it and all that, but since they're a far right wing mag, Nobody's really going to believe and them. And this is touched upon in the HBO series. Right. In the HBO series, we do know that it's been printed, but it gets mostly disregarded as right-wing or, like, conspiracy. Right. But I really wanted to touch on, since we just ended the book, it, in its essence, it's a murder mystery. Sure. Yeah, no, that's definitely Three-fourths of the book is about the murder of Edward Blake yes. yeah. and who killed him. Yep. And then the finale is very superhero-ish. Yes. But the villain wins, quote Well, unquote. let me ask you something. Who's the villain? You're, you're led to believe it's Asmodeus. No, I would still say it's Asmodeus. Is it? Yes. Because he it may depends be... depends on your concept of philosophy. He may be, if you have some sort of moral, like, you're able to, to agree with him that, like, yeah, this was a worthy sacrifice for world peace, but ultimately he is the antagonist that people are trying to reach throughout this book. But, he, yeah, but, but antagonist and villain are not the same thing. Oh, okay, well... He is definitely the antagonist, for sure. Yeah. But I don't... But So here's my thing. It depends on your worldview, Okay. Because the people I definitely think are not the villains are like Silk Spectre and Dan. Mm -hmm. Because they're left with... I feel they're our insert. Yeah. Because they're left with this situation of, okay, we can't stop this from happening. 
meaning we can't stop Adrian from creating this alien and destroying the world. So what is the next moral decision we can make? Ensure that his peace goes on, so we keep the secret. It's just, again, this story has a huge thematic presence of becoming the monster you sought to destroy and even ascending it in right. some ways. So as man is I have in an his, answer. Well, in, well, hang well, on. Well, well, let me finish my... I also wasn't done with my... Point. Okay, hold on. Let's, let's collapse this back in. Go ahead, Dr. Because... What, what, so your philosophical standpoint actively reflects on who the villain is because it's either Adrian Veidt or R- Rorschach. Hmm. One of the two of them is the villain of this story. I would say you could think I he's think wrong, neither. but you would say I think it's capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Because Alan Moore's a filthy, dirty commie. Because Slap it, my salami, the dude's a commie. But again, because, oh, go ahead. I'm just so, this brought it up for me in terms of who's the villain, and because I thought it was such a wonderful reincorporated element in this entire story, it keeps doing it multiple times, of becoming the thing you want to stop, but sometimes even worse. Whereas you look at Vite, he's stopping, like, he wants to stop war and conflict, but in inciting a giant tragedy in order for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So is he akin to the tragedies that he's trying to fight against? Correct. It, which is why I feel like it's such clever reincorporation constantly throughout this book. So, I want to finish so my point. answer, honestly, it's Rorschach for me. Okay. Hmm. It's, it's a little bit of both, really. Because I say Vite for me. I know he has a permanent world peace, but it won't last forever. That's the whole idea. Yes, but here's the thing. But... but I don't think there's a clear answer to this as well. Well, yeah. I don't know. Intention matters, though. Because a Vite was approaching it from strictly utilit- a util- utilitarian uh, viewpoint. Uh-huh. Which is... The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Or the one. <laughs> which I feel like that concept doesn't work on a genocidal scale, but sure. It but does. But the point is... You take it structurally, The it point does. is, at least mm. for a moment, his plan is effective. It works. Okay. It, he, it works, but until it doesn't anymore. But that's not the point. The point is, if not for that plan, the world would have ended right then and there. Is that true? Yes. Yes, they were on the brink of nuclear no, war. Like, no, like his they reasoning were... was that a nuclear war would happen eventually. No, 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 no. He knew that it was inevitable. He had a date that way it was yes. going to happen. Yeah, he okay. predicted he it. He predicted a date. Not only that, in one of the, the panels before they get to Antarctica... They were America's already at DEFCON 2 yeah. because Russia is already heads. invaded Pakistan. Yep. Okay. I'm just saying if that was the case, I guess yes. But even then, it's still a villainous thing to no. do. No, killing millions of people, absolutely villainous. But you have the context of it serve a, utali- a ut- ut- utilitarian. utilitarian purpose. Yeah. Rorschach, on the other hand is deontology to the extreme. We just learned this word a moment ago. Yeah. Uh, deontology to the extreme in that he believes that you have an obligation to act on certain things. In this case, it's truth no matter the cost. So Oof. what he's doing is literally valuing his sense of justice over millions of bodies. Over not just it's not millions of bodies. It's the it's, it's the end of the world. It's everyone. He's saying that the truth matters more than the entirety of humanity. But then that, I feel like, is subverted by his own actions in the sense that the truth is more important than everybody 
only when it matters to my narrative. Yes, that's the whole fallacy of his character. I'm just saying that it's an interesting way to go about that. Like, it's well, still wrong. I kinda... So, my point is, I do believe there are two villains to the story. I, I, that's what I was going to say. It's two but, villains. There's no hero. But I do think between... But only one of them has any heroism. And I think that's Adrian over Rorschach. I'd agree. But... You said your favorite character is Agent Veidt. Yes. And my character is Dr. Manhattan. Yes. What's your character, Bone King? Holy shit. That I, is a tough I, question. Fuck off, because I gave you ample time to figure it out. No, I know. It's just each character is so representative of a certain idea. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, each one is a commentary, and I never had one elevate above the other. Like, they each were really good at representing the theme that they wanted. And they all circle back to the same theme in the end yeah, of becoming the thing that you didn't want to become. In terms of my favorite... I don't think that's true. What do you mean? I don't think that's true. Give me a character, and I'll tell you how they became the thing they didn't like. Silk Spectre. Silk Spectre ended up becoming uh, an essence of... Okay, the original, she didn't want to be like her mom, but ultimately she became like her mom. No, 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 no. Her problem wasn't that she didn't want to become like her mom. Her problem was that she didn't want to become the version of her that her mom wanted. Her problem was that she never had autonomy in her life because she was groomed into being so Right, Spectre. but look what happened at the end of this. She's forced to follow out actions that Osmandis made and set up. But so she still has to follow a narrative that's not her no, own. That's just it. She's not forced to. She can. She has the choice to, to. She has the choice to. Choose. But the choice is to maintain world peace and not mention sure. the secret. The she's blackmailed into keeping up this identity. The idea is is that. She did not want to be a, a cog in the machine, but ultimately becomes a cog in the machine I of Osmandius's plan. I don't pick up that first bit, her being the cog in the machine. I don't think that was ever part in of the In terms of grooming into the world of superheroism, uh -huh. that's in, in terms like that's a way to describe yeah, being see, a cog the thing, in the machine. Though, by that point, she had already empowered herself with her own autonomy. No, I agree with you. She separated, but ultimately, by the end of the story, narratively becomes the same as but she was before. It. No, but that's just it. She's not. Because she's the one in charge. She's driving. Osmandius is in charge no. of the main narrative. She has her own life, and she even had her own life when she left the first grooming session or whatever. Like, when she decided, I'm not going to be my mom, mm -hmm. she left before. But it's it's happening again. I That's don't what agree. I'm just saying, if you look at it that way, and granted, you don't have to look at it this way, it's an interesting way to circle around sure. her arc. And I think it's genius in that regard. And what is your what is your explanation for Night Owl, then? Night Owl, and he's basically back where he started. He thought he 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 uh, matured past being part of the superhero craze, but he found that that's a necessary no, part see of it. I disagree. Like he's one of the only ones that like actively missed the superhero no, part. Okay, I'm not denying that he definitely does. But what I'm saying is he thought he matured with the rest of the world, but he did not. No, I I don't agree. Like he actively like. He actively admits that he's still attached to that. I know, but him in reality choosing to continue his normal presence and agreeing with everyone else and not continue uh -huh. vigilanteism is him. Okay, look, you're, you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm not saying he agrees that he is matured past super. I'm not saying right. that. I'm saying the world said no more superheroes. Uh -huh. So he followed through and fought 
he was maturing, but he realized this is a part of him. I this don't exceeds know about that. past that, and that's why it resurfaces and he returns back. It's it's a genius concept that almost every character becomes the thing that they thought they had beaten. It's it's a genius concept, and okay. maybe maybe you don't have to see it that way, but I can attribute it in a lot sure. of different ways. At least there's an argument to be had. Sure. Like, yeah. So, final thoughts. Final thoughts. He That's... still hasn't answered the question on what's his favorite character. God damn it! I thought I got way scot free on that. <laughs> God damn it! If if I it's had okay to if he ask, doesn't have one. It's just weird because they all fulfill uh, fulfill 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 <laughs> such a great aspect. To each all right. Way. Well, how about this? I have my favorite line of the American dream. You have said your favorite line, right? Uh, that's that's difficult. But I think at the end of the day, my favorite line. World's smartest termite? Uh, uh, yeah, for sure. Right? Okay. Do you have a favorite line? <sighs> okay. I don't want to say Veidt's my favorite character, but he does have the best lines. And and it's not even a very dramatic line, but the idea of I did it 30 minutes ago yeah. is is such a new, fresh concept that it blew me away. So yep. Fresh concept, and this is, book is nearly 40 years ago. <laughs> I'm, That's no, so but, scary to me. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a fresh concept, even for stuff post that book. That's like, what he's saying. He's saying that despite the fact that you've only just read this, that concept is still fresh to yes, you. Yes, it, <laughs> it is such a trope that even though this happened a long time ago, uh-huh. it's surprising. Yep. Um, it's got to be between... Osmandius and Rorschach, only because Rorschach is such a fascinating character and I sure. can't stop reading about him. That's it. All right. Uh, final thoughts. How I got into Watchmen was because of the movie. Okay. I was sitting in the theater. I think I was watching Terminator Salvation with a friend. Uh-huh. And we, I saw the opening trailer. I didn't know what the fuck this was. I had never heard of Watchmen at that point. But my friend next to me, Pedro, mm. lost his fucking mind he was like oh my fucking god they're doing it oh my fucking god they're doing it i'm like what (laughs) what are you talking about he's like you've never read watchmen i'm like no what the fuck's watchmen go buy watchmen Uh so whatever that following week i went to barnes and noble bought that graphic novel did my thing i read it cover to cover three times in one day (laughs) i was blown away by it it is my favorite book. Uh, it's in my top five favorite books of all time. It's something I easily recommend anybody trying to get into comics that are like, it's too childish. It's too... A real story in comics. I like, don't know if I'd want this to be someone's first comic book, though. No. But hold on. Wait, wait, wait. If they are a fan of the modern day movies of so. superheroes, definitely uh, I, I would I, probably I'm thinking. I, I've got an antiquated thought in my head. Like, I'm still thinking, like, if this were the 90s. No, But no, yeah. in today's world, no. The Actually, superheroes are... this book is more relevant than ever right now. Yes. Yeah. Because Which of how big... Which is why the HBO show was so... So great because it it perfectly like it perfectly keeps the momentum of this book and slams it head first Can into you pass today's me the problems book? yes just really quick i want to read if if i may really because quick. our boy uh oh, okay, damon right. lindelof who created the watchman show yep hbo specifically said you're the only one we want this to do yep and he said i don't have an idea i don't have an idea then he had the idea then he made that show and it became a limited series he said, and I quote, about Watchmen the graphic novel, 
this is the greatest piece of popular fiction ever produced. Yep. It's hard to argue. Okay, look, I'm not going to say it's perfect <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, it's all-star, the best, the best, but it is probably the most apropos and poignant thing for this era right now that's obsessed with superheroes. This this thing, if, especially if you're obsessed with superheroes and the, and the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe right now. Yeah, I mean, now, we've been dealing with a superhero bubble for the past 25 years, yes. and arguably. This, and this thing just becomes so much more and more relevant because of that. Every year it becomes more and more relevant. And not only that, with our cultural zeitgeist and everything of yeah. that nature. I really do feel, while we can all walk away with some different idea of who should read the book, at the end of the day, if you consider yourself a literature fan... Yes. Not even just a comic book fan, but like a literature fan. This is a novel you should read. Mm-hmm. This is something that makes you think, you know what? Comic books just aren't for fucking kids anymore. Yeah. Well, it opens up the idea that a narrative doesn't have to be so clear cut. You can have different interpretations of a character. You you can have a diverse narrative that covers concepts and ideas and metaphors for deeper things that really wouldn't work in a standard superhero story or something. Well, is this is this part of your final thoughts? Well, yeah, I'm just kind of. I was just say it's emblematic of a turning point in an art form. Uh, a key turning point in any form of art is when it becomes introspective. Right. And this is, I think, that moment for the comic book medium. This was one of the first, don't be wrong, in minor ways before this. Because, I mean, you had heavy metal publishing shit from before this also. Right. But this was the first major moment for the media where it truly introspected. And it's so blatant about it. And it's a turning it. point for the comic book. Yeah, yeah it, it is so, blatant. And it's so blatant oh, yeah, about it. It's so sure. straightforward about a lot of this. And, like, you can't help but compare this to The Boys to uh, Invincible, right. to uh, Umbrella Academy, to all of these Deconstructions of that superheroes. Are holding, yeah, yeah, holding up a mirror to the superhero genre. And I feel like there's that that uh, type is still chasing the high of Watchmen. Hmm. Nobody's done it nearly as good as Watchmen has. Is that your final thought? Yeah. All right. I, um, think, I, think, we, I think we nailed it for the most part. That's right. I have a happy face on right now. Uh, my favorite character, by the way, I've just decided, it's the butch lesbian who is trying her fucking hardest to actually protest against the, the apparently increase of rape in her neighborhood, and everyone's giving her shit for it, and she's just like... Yeah, she's a watchman. Fuck you. Like, I am literally trying to help people, and you're stop. She deserves more credit, really. Right. Sorry, yeah, I liked um, her a lot. I think it's shoutouts time. Oh my goodness! Well, freaks, uh, if you like what you heard here, or if you have any any topics to add on top of it, please make sure to hit us up on our Facebook group or our Twitter, F A N F R Double E K S. And please let us know who's your favorite Watchman. Indeed. Oh, and no doubt we missed some symbol uh, symbology oh, or any symbolism no, no, no. like. We if, must have missed a ton of shit, please so please understand, tell us. If we really wanted to, this the, could be a six-hour episode. We have six, to do multiple episodes. Eight, Maybe. That, yeah, that's... The point is, we had to gloss over a lot yeah. to, get, to get this as concise as it is. I Fucking mean, novel. Like. Yeah. <laughs> if there are any other talking points that interest you guys, please let us know. Trust me. I can't speak for anybody else here, but I will gladly uh, discuss this ad nauseum. <laughs> I want to talk we more about We did have Man. that fight of Ozymandias versus Captain America and who would win. Yes. And you and I forgot who else went about 150 comments on that. Yeah. 
You I, can I, search for that at FanFreaks right. <laughs> in the group. I think I could have a solid discussion about Dr. Manhattan. I feel like it's just so nebulous. You could talk about it for so hours. So tune in to an, to an upcoming uh, character study episode on Dr. Manhattan. Uh, yeah. It'll be our first one. Um, it better not be, motherfucker. This is going to be a tough first one. I'm not going to lie. Anyway. Shout out. Uh, you can also, you can also oh. hit us up at our, at, our, at our social medias. That's correct. I am on Twitter at Dr. That's D-R. Rude. M-D. Also, your TikTok. Shut up, man. We don't even <laughs> talk about that. That's where his nudes are. <laughs> Only rudes. Uh, oh, no. At uh, Adrian Doodliness on Twitter mm-hmm. and at Adrian De Jesus on TikTok. I'm not ashamed. All right. See I just my have, naked. I nose. just have no content, so there's no point. You're in just gonna see a bunch of my cats. <laughs> and alrighty, um, I'm about four glasses in on whiskey, and you can find me on Bone King TV on Twitch. And I'm so proud of him. Uh, Twitter, I know, right? I said I hated whiskey, and through the process of this podcast, I've grown to like it more today than any of the rest of us. By the way, I'm driving. I'm taking it easy. <laughs> Ayo, but anyway, um, yeah, you can catch me on Twitter on Bone King TV, Twitch. I play kill. Well, well, you know, I play a lot of games and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, um, shout outs? Shout outs yes. time. Uh, I'd like to shout out to our uh, Hunt Showdown crew. We've got Jeff. We've got Justin. We've got Scott. We have uh, my D&D people who I know still listen every week. Jason and Chris. Thank you guys so much. Dante and my sister Cheyenne. <laughs> yes. And of course, the uh, the boners that I have annexed from bo- from the kingdom. Annexed? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> They're still in my kingdom. You were just visiting them, okay? Me and Tara, thank you guys so much. Uh-huh. Uh, I would like to give a shout-out to our sister podcast, uh, Robot Stone Age, uh, Cody, CJ, Kehlani. Also, shout-outs to Nicholas Yuritic, uh Lindsay Misleading, our resident Zatanna Zatara. Yeah. We fucking really need to, like, join and get her a mic so she could be on uh-huh also a special heartfelt fuck you to jesus valentine <laughs> heartfelt fuck you to jesus what a good way That's to right. round that out yeah he's my boy uh-huh, uh-huh. my turn he so loves like, this he loves saying fuck you to him he loves the pain he loves being Doctor is used to this absolutely uh-huh. uh we got von condersmy beefy sumo squinty screechy kai Lindsay misleading or ganalidismidsinayad um izumi chinmaru <laughs> that's C- the scots talking <laughs> hey yo uh cj to dj boogle and nicholas heretic i actually want to give an extra thanks to him he's absolutely been very vocal and giving us comments and whatnot and we live for that shit so thank you so much dude and normally we don't do this but we actually really do want to encourage you guys to tune in to our next episode because it's a special one. Oh yeah 100 episodes not only is it episode 100 but this week we are celebrating the one year one year anniversary yeah we kind of almost timed it perfectly with our birthday one year anniversary of the of the, the fan, fan freaks, freaks podcast, podcast. Yeah. and episode 100 our anniversary and 100th episode yeah. are sort of close to each other yeah so we're kind of rolling with that. This <laughs> is um, well, so yeah. Make sure to check us out for episode one hundred. Until then, and it'll be a freaky five, right? Of our favorite moments, or is it an all stars? Don't don't. Well, look, all, we don't tell them about the don't behind you all the secrets. Come on, man! I'm still behind the wings. Shh. Stop it. Red Later, curtains. freaks.